All right, here we go, everybody, and welcome to episode number 78 of Sports Cards Live. This is Saturday night, January 30th, 2021. My name is Jeremy Lee, and we're going to get to it right away here. Before we do, I want to thank this past Wednesday's guest. We had Edward Siegel from Investacard, recently partnered with Marcus Limonis from CNBC's The Profit. We also have a continuation from that episode. Edward and Investicard are giving away a PSA 9 base prism Zion Williamson. Stay tuned. As soon as we bring out Brett, tonight's guest, we're going to do that giveaway. Also want to let you know this coming sat next Saturday, my guest will be Mike Fruitman from Mike's Stadium Sports Cards. That'll be a great show. He's a longtime LCS owner and a stalwart of the hobby. If you are new here, over 90 episodes are in the archives. Be sure to check them out. You will find a guest that interests you. I guarantee it. Please subscribe if you haven't yet. We just passed the 2,000 subscriber mark last Saturday. I want to thank everybody for that. That's pretty awesome. We are well on our way to 2,100 right now. I want to also remind you all to check out The Big 3 Hockey on Instagram, at The Big 3 Hockey on the ticker right now. These guys support the channel, and they have the they, they showcase the finest singles in the hobby on their Instagram account. Want to also make sure you guys are subscribing to the Basketball Card Fanatic magazine. There it is on the ticker right now. Issue 5 in hand right here. I print these out in color because they just look better, more fun to read. Issue number 6 will be out on, I believe, next Saturday. Check that out. Adam does a great job with those. When we bring out Brett tonight, towards the end of the episode, we will be doing the Sports Cards Live 5 and, sport and the PC Card of the Day. So stick around for those. As always, your comments and questions are in play. Do not be shy. Brett, is a he, he can chat it up with the best of them, so be sure to put your questions in the comments or your, your comments in the questions. And tonight on After Hours, starting about two, two and a half hours from now, my guest is Chris from Vegas Finds 777. That should be a great episode later on tonight as well. Okay, let's get to tonight's guest. He got into the hobby in the late 80s and 90s, Chasing Larry Johnson's and Dikembe Mutombo's. I remember those days so well. From uh, Upper Deck's inaugural basketball set. And then, of course, Shaq rookies thereafter. He got back into the hobby a couple years ago when his wrestling collecting buddies started talking about cards, which led him to search for John Morantz on eBay. He broke some wax at the end of 2019, started his podcast, Stacking Slabs, and the rest is history. His favorite teams are the Indianapolis Colts, the Indiana Pacers. Favorite player is Peyton Manning. Born, bred, and still in Indianapolis, Indiana. Let's bring him out. Brett McGrath, welcome to episode 78 of Sports Cards Live. How are you doing tonight, my man? What is good, Jeremy? Uh, thank you for having me on Sports Card Live. This has become a staple of the hobby on Saturday night, so I am thrilled to be joining you. Well, thank you, man. I appreciate that. I am thrilled to have you. We planned this. Gosh, probably over a month ago. I've been booking out about six to eight weeks in advance, so I wanted to lock you down for a night. Here we are. I'm glad it's finally come. We've been excited about this, so we're going to have a great show tonight. Before we get started, though, Brett, we do need to finish off what we started on Wednesday when we had Edward Siegel from Investicard on, and he had committed to giving away a PSA 9 base prism Zion Williamson. I, had, I just want to let everybody know, I erroneously put on Instagram earlier today, it was a PSA 10. That was my mistake. Just habit. It's a PSA 9. So we have certain people who are eligible for this. The deal was whoever asked 
the best business question on the last episode was going to win, but I, I changed, we changed our minds on that because it's a bit too uh, subjective. So we're going to do it randomly. Anyone who asked a question on last week's episode of, you know, business, a business type question is in the random. So I'm going to share my screen right now. Here is how we're going to do this, everybody. Right there, we have everybody who asked a question. We have 17 people on the random. We're going to do a random generator also on the internet. Brad, uh, sorry, Brett, if you could pick a number between one, pick a number between two and seven, and that will be the amount of times we hit the randomizer. Give me that five. We're going five. All right, we're going to hit the randomizer, everybody, five times. So these are the these are the names of everybody who is eligible. I hope some of you guys are here right now. I also want to mention, if you are not here and you come out on top and I don't hear from you on Instagram or Twitter, and right now I'm going to switch the ticker, everybody, to my socials right here. So there's my Instagram. There's my Twitter. You need to contact me on one of these two platforms by in the next 48 hours. If you don't, it's gonna to go to the second person that comes up on the randomizer or on this. Actually, we'll have to do it a couple of times, Brett. We'll have to do it twice just in case we need a backup. So we'll do it five times. The sixth time that whoever whoever's name is associated with the sixth randomly generated figure, that person will be the backup. So I'm gonna show, so these are your numbers. Jared Cheese Gaming is one, J-Rod two, and so forth, all the way down to Jordan Hagedorn at number 17. So I'm gonna bring up the randomizer right now. Here we go. This is just in Google. We're, I'm gonna hit generate five times and the number that shows up here is gonna be the winner of the Prism Base Zion PSA 9. So here we go. There's one, two, three, four, five. Person number three, that is all-time greats blog, Victor Roman Sr. You are the winner of the PSA 9 Prism base, Zion Williamson. But we're going to hit it one more time, Brett, to make sure in case we don't hear from Victor that the other person, uh, that we have someone on backup. So here we go. The next one is number eight. So our backup winner, in case you have a shot, is Steve Sir. You are our backup. I will save that. We'll just save that later. And we will now move on and get on with the show. Congratulations, Victor, if you were there. Very happy for you. Everybody else, thanks for participating. Thanks for being a part of the show on Wednesday with Investicard. All right, let's get on to tonight's episode. We got Brett McGrath, Stacking Slabs podcast. One of my favorite podcasts in the hobby. If not, my, you know, my favorite used to be House of Jordans, but uh, Chris and Christina and Brian, they pretty much packed that in, it seems like. They've moved on to bigger, better things with card ladder and sports card culture, et cetera. Stacking Slabs is right up there for me now, buddy. Um, let, let's let's talk a little bit about it. You know, you've been in the hobby for a while. How did you go from collecting wrestling figures to hosting one of the best podcasts in the hobby? You know, I've been a collector my entire life. I collect all things that I'm really passionate about, and it just gone through some turns and evolutions, and wrestling has kind of been the steady stream my entire life i you know I was three years old and kind of macho man and the bright lights took took me in and never i've never left uh so i've been hooked on the wrestling side for quite some time and at the end of 2019 a bunch of uh degenerate wrestling fans that i was interacting with online 
started breaking boxes of wrestling cards and I was like, this is really cool. And then I started to think, man, like, I wonder what the, the sports card market's like right now. Obviously I was deep in it when I was a kid, junk wax era. Uh, and so I, you know, there was a great rookie class. I'm a big football fan. And so I just started diving into that and I went to my LCS and I looked at the price of hobby boxes and said, wow, these things are expensive, but I got to start ripping wax because I didn't know any better. So I started ripping wax and quickly spent a lot of money and was like, how do you, how do you do this now? So my background is in B2B marketing and I do podcast communications for a living. So I said to myself, well, there's got to be a lot of people in my age demo that are going through the same experience. So why don't I spin up a sports card podcast? It was COVID. I was stuck at home looking for something to do besides work. And the rest is history. I, I, I had an assumption that there was a lot of people like me. And so I just started sharing what I was learning. Uh, it started engaging with the community on social, started building and developing relationships and just remained consistent with the uh, the content. And so it's just snowballed. I've met some incredible people like you from all over the world. Um, I'm having so much fun still learning about sports cards. And you mentioned uh, House of Jordans and, and Chris and that crew. And they certainly were one of the first podcasts that I, I listened to. And um, I've been fortunate to just build relationships with people like Chris. Um, and it's just addicting. I think we can all agree. It's, a, it's an addicting, um, stimulating hobby um, with people and cards and everything else. So I'm fortunate that I've got the platform that I do and can share out what I'm thinking on a daily basis and people actually listen. So it's great. Yeah, well, you're, you you mentioned a couple of things. You mentioned consistency, very important in the space when you're creating content, of course. People want to know where to come. It's something that I've been trying to stick with myself. But you also mentioned, uh, you know, people from around the world. And that's what, you know, we're, we're, we are international. There's people all over the place that collect these things. We got, we, you know, all, all on, on six of the seven continents, I'm sure. And uh, it, it's been a big blessing, I think, for for all of us, especially those of us that put ourselves out there and really get to interact with those people. I know that I've really appreciated that and feel like I made friends from all over the place. So th that's pretty awesome. So you you collect, you love the hobby. Talk a little bit about some of the things that you actually collect. Yeah, like, so I, I think I thought... Go, go, ahead. Go, sorry, go ahead, go ahead, man, go ahead. Yeah, no, no. So I think I've gone through the a similar evolution to a lot of people, I think, going through the just try to collect some things that are popular and try to make some money off of it to refining to following passions. And I've really uh, I'm, I'm really focused on this um, this uh, on this journey on this specific cards and players that I, I love watching or I've loved watching loved watching in the past. So for me right now, it's pretty focused. I've got a little bit of prospecting, not too much, but most of my focus right now is on Peyton Manning and Steph Curry cards uh, because they're, to me, I mean, they're, I, I think they're undervalued. I love them as players. Um, you can get lost in both of those players because there is so much, the, the breadth and depth of those two players and the sets and the parallels, it can, it's endless. So I, I've really focused my energy on that. I focus my energy on Kyler Murray a lot too. I just love him as a player. I watched him at, at Oklahoma and uh, I love following him in the NFL. So uh, starting with a guy and following him early in his career, that's something that 
just back in the day is what I did with rookies when you were talking about the upper deck and Dikembe Mutombo and Larry Johnson and Jerry Stackhouse, Allen Ivers. I mean, you name it. Like I, the, starting with the rookie class has kind of always been an addiction of mine other people so that and then i've got a lot of love for obviously my my wrestling card uh collection and uh, digging into sets it's just such an untapped uh niche of the market that there is a passionate fan base um that is connected to it but there's so many opportunities i i feel like and i know all you wrestling fans out there and the collectors out there they can feel it too it's like we're just getting started there we are just getting going so Getting being a part of that, getting that revved up, and uh, you know we got the Royal Rumble tomorrow, which I know if there's wrestling fans out there, everyone's excited. I got my Royal Rumble T-shirt on right now, um, so yeah. Just if if I got passion for it, I'm probably collecting it. But I, those are that's kind of where I'm focused in. Yeah. So you talk about wrestling. Obviously, you're very passionate about it. I re I, I recall the yellow. I forget what they're from, but those yellow wrestling cards that have like Hulk Hogan's rookie and Andre the Giants in them. Those cards are, have blown up recently. I think they're, you know, not as common as as the the big four sports cards, but they're they're certainly out there. Talk a little bit, Brett, about scarcity because in our prior discussions, you've mentioned to me that you know you're not you like to chase the rare. To you, you you get excited by by rare by scarce items versus things that everyone out there has. Talk a little bit about that and how you kind of approach your singles uh, hunting that way. Yeah. So like for, for me professionally, a lot of what I do is study consumer behavior and habits and uh, leveraging a lot of psychology in that um, process. And one of the big pieces of human psychology is just scarcity. Um, people want what is limited. And I very much fall into that trap. Um, I want I want to be able I want to be curating my collection to look different than the masses. I'm I would say I'm uh, an underground type of guy. I know we'll talk a little bit about music probably later, but I like to search. I like to discover. I like to curate and I like to be different. Um, I think that's maybe why uh, I've got, I've built a, a cool community with my show is people look at me as someone who's a little different in the hobby. And so I very much point that at my card collecting too, where I want things that I know not everyone has. So you know, and you can go two layers on this. You can go, all right, well, there's maybe a parallel of Peyton Manning from, you know, in 2003, Top's Finest, Gold X Fractor, and there's 101 of these cards, okay? So maybe I want one of those cards, so I know there's only 101. Well, then you get those cards graded, and then there's maybe only five that are PSA 10s. So, like, that doubling down on the scarcity, I think that's what drives number uh the 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 value up on cards over time so i'm always looking to and i heard when you talk about the basketball card fanatic i'm a big fan of adam's work i'm a big fan of that magazine and when i had him on my show one of the things that stood out that he said that i still hold with me uh to this day is that when he buys something because we all know how expensive these things are these days but when he buys something it's gotta it's gotta really mesh with his head and his heart um, and I think that's just, you know, a, a way of saying it. You get, it's got to be something you're passionate about and it's got to make financial sense. And so when I'm going out there and trying to narrow in on, on what I want, that I, I definitely try to look at that mindset. And I'm usually starting with something with a low population that I'm passionate about that I think has a high upside uh, down the road. Yeah, it's a good approach. And he, uh, it's it's neat that you mentioned Adam because uh, he has that same approach and he's very sort of public about it on Instagram talking about, you know, he does his top 100 every year, 
talking about why he likes each card. I really appreciate those posts by people. And I try to do them myself now where when you show a card, you actually tell a bit of a story about it and show you know, a real appreciation. I think it's easier to do that on cards that aren't super, super common, maybe because your take is more unique because not everybody has a take on a rare card. Everybody's got a take on on the 86 Fleer Michael Jordan rookie or the 79 Opeachy Wayne Gretzky rookie very common but when there's a rare card that you don't see all the time your take and your story about it i think it's it's just the 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 opinion on 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 the card itself is just rare because there aren't a lot of people talking about them so it's that's really cool when people when people do that and really exploit the rarity of the card yeah and and, and jeremy i know right before we got on you we were talking and you shared some uh some light on you get you gave me a flames update and you i know that's your squad and uh, I, I know like probably there's in the hobby community, I know there's, you've probably met plenty of flames fans and, and collectors. I certainly haven't cause I'm not into hockey cards like you are, but I think like the cool thing about the hobby is like, we've got our squads and then we've got our teams and that you might as a, as a flames fan, you might be collecting players within that team over a period of time. And you might go deep in cards that no one else has and you're curating your collection and, I think you could sit down and show me and tell me the stories of all those cards and why they mean something to you. Um, and I think that's just the special part about what we got going on in this hobby is everyone's got their personal tastes and opinions and we can all educate each other on what we've got. Yeah. Yeah. Right on. Let's have, okay. We're going to get to some of the comments. We've got a lot of people in here and I see a comment that I messed up the giveaway at the beginning of the, of the episode here. Oh, I apologize to everybody for that, uh, especially you, Victor, at uh, All Time Greats blog. We're going to have to redo the generator. I only had it going from 1 to 10. We have 17 people. So we'll redo that in, in due course here, guys. But in the meantime, let's say hello to everybody we have, Brett, because there are some – I saw a great question from Name or a comment about Rarity. So let's just go ahead and get in there. We got Mastradamus. Welcome to the show. What is good, my man? Rondell, as always, great to see you. Stack, let's start stacking slabs and get ready to rumble. There you go. That's everything, Brett, right there. Jordan Riker's in the house. Good evening, Jordan. Welcome to the show. Corey Card. We got Dennis Lescombe Sr. Bobby Baseball's looking forward to it. Hockey, hockey, welcome. My man, Joe Perot, let's go. Thank you very much, Bobby Baseball on 2000. We're actually almost at 2100. It's going nice and quick now, so thanks, everybody. Hit SSP entrance music. Yeah, we, we don't have any entrance music yet. We need some. We need some. Uh, we got name, says Jeremy and Brett. I'm here to turn left when the rest of the market is turning right. That sounds like Brett right there. Terry, good evening. Drake's PC, good evening to you. Andy Eisman, Lions just traded Stafford to the Rams for Goff. Wow, big trade, big news. Jamie Sands, hello to you. Matt, 14K, good evening. Yannick, welcome. Saturday Night Live in the Hobby. There we go. 90s hockey, good evening. We got Corey in the house. Yeah, Max, welcome to the show. Jordan says to both of us, will you be submitting any of your cards to the new grading company, HGA? Brett, what do you have to say to that? Yeah, so I actually, uh, I talk about this on Wednesday's show that's going to drop, but I I am typically not an early adopter on new companies and products, but I do, my. so I will not be right away, but I will suggest if you're interested like we need people to go and support these companies. And, and so if you, if you are interested, you think the slabs look cool, go support those companies. If it aligns up with your strategy and, and, and if t share your experiences, tell us if, if you have a good experience or not, cause then it'll get people like me who are kind of stuck in their ways to maybe uh, change and jump in. 
Yeah, that's a great suggestion. Anyone out there who is testing out these new companies, any new company, any, any new service in the hobby, talk about it. The rest of us want to know. As for myself, I don't know anything about HGA. I've never been to their website. I've never seen a slab. I've only had a couple people ask me if I'm going to use them. And the answer is I don't know yet. Time will tell. I need to see what it's what they're all about. Learn a little bit. Find out who's grading the cards. What's their experience? What's their resume look like? What what put them in a position to be card graders? You know, with CSG hiring two of the, I, I under, as I understand, two of the top graders away from Beckett, that's a little bit easier for me to use because I know that those guys have many years of grading experience. But I don't know who's at HGA, and I, I'd need to know a bit about that first. So that's where I stand. Great question, Jordan. Thanks for posing it. We got Luke F73. Good evening to you. Chris Cook wants no rumble predictions. That's that's square in your court, Brett. Yeah, so uh, I've been thinking a lot about this. And I, when you think about the rumble, you've always got to think about what's that WrestleMania billboard. And I think an easy billboard to look at right now is Brock Lesnar returning in the, the men's Royal Rumble uh, and him setting up him and Reigns round three. You got Paul Heyman as the centerpiece of that. That's something a lot of people would want to see him and make for a good billboard. And on the women's side, I think you got Bianca Belair, the EST, um, her versus Sasha Banks on the other side of that billboard. Those are my predictions. Bianca Belair on the women's, Brock Lesnar on the men's. There you go, Chris. Uh, half of those names you said were, were like a foreign language to me, but uh, I recognize Lesnar, that's for sure. All right. Uh, Bill says, you may have to do it again. Only random one to 10. Yeah, I did. So, uh, Victor, it's great to have you, my man. I'm sorry that we're going to have to redo the draw. I feel terrible. I feel terrible. Yeah, Tori, uh, Terry confirms. Chad Shipper, welcome from Florida. Great to have you. Drake says, Brett, what's your Holy Grail wrestling collectible? Card, figure, ticket, autograph memorabilia that you want in your personal collection? You know, right now, Drake's, uh, that's a, it's a great question. And this has my head spinning. So for a while, it was a Bret Hart signed winged Eagle title. I met Bret Hart and accomplished that now being deep into the card game. I, I'm, I, I just, the Babe Ruth of sports cards are of professional wrestling is, is Hulk Hogan. So I, I'd really like to get my hands on a, uh, a, PSA 9, because there's no PSA 10s, they don't exist, which is crazy, of the 82 Hulk Hogan Wrestling All-Star card. That is a grail chase of mine right now. Cool, man. Do you have any leads? There, uh, Maybe a few. Maybe right, a few. Right. You got to keep your cards close to the chest sometimes when you're chasing grails, right? You never know. You never know who else is out there trying to snipe you. All right. Another question from Drake. This is a fun one. He says, how do you decide whether to purchase a rookie card or a numbered short print non-rookie card of someone you collect? I got an answer for this, but Brett, do you want to you take a shot at this first? Yeah, I'll take a shot at it. So I think it just depends on your budget and where you're at. Like Steph Curry, for instance, I'm collecting Steph Curry numbered parallels right now, and I'm doing that because I want to eventually get a numbered rookie card. I don't want to tap into my financial resources right now and just say, I'm going to pull out, you know, thousands and thousands of dollars and grab this card. But what I'm trying to do is work myself, my, my way up to that. And while you're doing that, I think the fun thing is I've already talked about my appreciation for Steph Curry. I might as well get some cool cards and have them in my possession that I think are going to increase over time. And I can enjoy and have those in my possession. But then at one point, uh, get enough of them where I can go trade those in for that rookie card. So that's my strategy with Steph Curry. Yeah, so I'll take a shot at it for Drake's as well here. For me, it really, 
it, you know, it comes down to the, uh, for me, the fact that I've been a rookie card collector my whole life. So I've got a lot of rookie cards in my collection of, of important players to the point that when I started to get kind of, actually, when I kind of got to the point where there wasn't much more, I, I, I coveted what else I'm a card collector. I need to be chasing something. I got turned on to the, the rare in certain parallel and I kind of just started picking up those cards mostly because I already had the rookie cards that I wanted. And then a couple, you know, a year, two years go by, there's more rookies that have come into the leagues and I find myself more interested in their rare pieces than their rookie cards. So that that's a bit, that, that that's kind of how I'm approaching it. I'm part of a, 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 a private chat on Instagram with some guys and the discussion came up today with these guys about how they'd much rather have a really rare Michael Jordan card from the say the 90s than his than the rookie card but now what kind of the sentiment is the rookie card has like just it's exploded recently to the point now where they some of them feel that they waited too long and now it's like well now it's, maybe i'll wait for it to come back down and then you hear that you see the comments but it might not ever come back down so you know it's kind of like you gotta i think as brett said at the beginning it might depend on your finances your personal situation but for me if the rookie card is abundant then you might want to prioritize the rare piece and come back to the rookie. But you got to make sure you don't wait too long. Otherwise, what happened to the Jordan rookie could potentially happen to the rookie card of the player that you're looking at. Possibly. All right, let's keep on rolling through. We got Ben Carlos and his awesome YouTube channel. Says, world's colliding with two of the best hobby podcasts in the game. Thank you so much, Ben Carlos. Uh, check out his YouTube channel. He does great production. What's production up, ben? Great production quality there. I know, I know Brett's a big fan. Cardi C Sports, also in the house, also with a great YouTube channel. I'm going I'm to give him a shout out. He did a recent video on the uh, sort of what's going on with the PSA deal and the fact that there's been some back and forth. And uh, he has a video on his channel. It's not even a week old that really dives into the details and explains the situation. So if you're wondering what's going on with the PSA takeover buyout by, um, by Nat Turner and his investment group, go watch that video. We got name that was Indigenous Rookie Card. Says, I love the conversation about rarity. Brett has influenced me in the past year in the direction of where my collection is going. More focus for me on low, no, lower numbered rookie cards and their parallels. So, yeah, I mean, same here. That's where I'm at. Low numbered rookie cards and their parallel. I think a parallel to a rookie card is almost as good, if not as good as a rookie card. I, re I recognize that the RC designation does not necessarily belong, but the RY designation certainly belongs. And I think the RY designation is an undervalued designation and underused. Brett, thoughts? I love it. Yeah, I, I mean, I, that's a great take. I, I, I agree completely, 100%. All right. That, that's good. it, yeah. Luke says uh, the, uh, those wrestling rookie cards with the yellow border are from a trivia game. Okay, yeah, because I when I remember seeing them over the years, they were always kind of in a in a plastic wrapping. They never looked like they came out of anything different. What can you uh, can you verify that? Yeah, so the, those are the '97 uh, wrestling trivia cards uh, with the yellow borders. Which the '82 I talked about the Hogan. Those were regional, and they they came distributed from a magazine. They were also in plastic rack packs, uh, packs too. So it's funny that the hottest cards and wrestling cards right now all have come all together in plastic. And obviously the front and back cards in those sets are condition, condition sensitive and probably aren't the, the best to get graded. But yeah, it, it's just funny what the hobby ends up liking. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I hear you. And, and it's sometimes, you know, sometimes you can predict that. 
Sometimes you can, but it's often difficult to predict where the hobby as a whole is going to go. And you just sometimes have to go along for the ride and wait till you figure it out uh, if that's important to you. I'm not saying to follow the, the consensus or follow the crowd, but if you are wanting to know that when you're going to sell your collection or your single cards down the road, that there's going to be a market for them. I know a lot of people think that way. I do myself. You know, I want to know that if I'm going to buy something for significant dollars, that at some point in the future, if I need to convert that to cash to feed the family, I'm going to have a market for it. Cardi C has a take on rarity, says everyone's looking for the next scarce item. Part of the reason you've seen the market go absurd over NBA Top Shot is the manufactured scarcity. We are drawn to scarce items. Yeah, we are drawn to things that other people don't have, can't have, or want and or want to have. Anything to add to that, Brett? I mean, it just seems to be human nature. No, it is human nature. Um, I like how uh, Cardi C pointed out the manufactured scarcity of the NBA Top Shot product, which I think is manufactured scarcity. Um, hot take here, but um, just if you're if be careful on that product. I'm not saying don't go buy it, but just look at look at what's happening. Follow who's buying it. Look at what people are saying. Um, just be careful because it's the trend right now, but it might not be the trend tomorrow. That's that's a fair comment. Um, in my after hour show today, when we're done, when when Brett is uh, done with us here. So in a couple of hours time, we're going to bring on Chris from Vegas Fine 777. He's an early adopter of NBA Top Shot and a big fan of it. So we'll hear his take and, and his position on it. I, I'm looking forward to having that discussion. But, you know, manufactured scarcity is something that's really been around in the hobby since the first serially numbered cards came out, the first chase cards uh, to, in, in a way. And even even going back further, you know, the first when there were the pre send away premiums and they short print one card that you send in. I'm talking about in the 20s, you in 19 in the night, not the 2020s, the 1920s. There was manufactured scarcity back then, but it really became abundant in the 90s when with the advent of the serially numbered insert card. and. For a while there, there was a some of the uh, the real veterans of the hobby kind of much preferred the organic rarity, the natural rarity versus the manufactured scarcity. And I think some of them are starting to come around and realize, especially with these big sales at the at the auction houses for one of ones and one of twenty three, selling for two million dollars, that manufactured scarcity is actually something that does drive value in a real way. So, but Top Shot's different. We're not talking, it's not even, it's a different, it's a different market, a different hobby altogether. It's more crypto than it is sports cards. Y do you agree with that, Brett? Yeah, I, I, I do. I do agree with it. You know, and my, my just one concern with it is that you've got people like Vegas Dave talking about uh, the sports card market is going down and it's going to implode on its face. But if you look at the trends over sports cards over the period of time, period of time it is a collectible that has sustained itself. Um, so I, I would very, just personally here, I'd very much rather put myself, put my money in something like sports cards that is a, a, a viable collectible that has been proven over extended period of time than um, video clips. Yeah, fair, fair enough, fair enough. All right, uh, Facebook user, did someone say wrestling cards? Yes, someone did. Uh, Victor, I appreciate that. Thank you so much. I feel terrible. Steve, sir, good evening to you. Anonymous Facebook user, hello, hello. Josh Packham, good evening to you. Luke says Rams gave up two first rounders too, so that seems like a reach for Stafford. That's a big give, big give. 
Yam Wax, fair number of wrestling cards or game cards, more wrestling card information, card EC, Luke. All right, I'm sorry, guys. I, I can't help myself, but look at these comments. Uh, Bobby Burrell, good evening to you. Slam that like button. I appreciate that. Bobby, the big unit says if HGA Grading Company can meet their turnaround times, they will grab market share. Yeah, po quite possibly. Quite possibly. Cardi C says, isn't HGA marketing themselves as the first fully automated grading company? I'd be interested to see them. someone crack some slabs and test out where they end up. That'd be interesting. I'm sure somebody out there will do that as well. So look forward to hearing about that. Hockey Hockey says, is the WWF 1987 Top So Peachy considered junk wax? Brett Hart's rookie card is in that set and is my favorite wrestler of all time. Brett, would you consider that 87 Top So Peachy to be junk wax? I, I love that set, actually. I think it's fantastic. So it's, again, it's personal taste. And what I will say with wrestling cards, the opportunity with grading and the scarcity within grading uh, is tremendous right now. So I think anything vintage wrestling related with iconic uh, wrestlers like a Bret Hart, the, uh, guys that trans uh, this, the, the sport, like Bret Hart has a massive market in Europe. He was a massive draw in Europe. He's a guy in that card. You go look at the pop report on PSA or BGS, see where it's at. Over time, the the legend of, of a guy like Bret Hart is going to extend. And, I, you know, I think grading in those sets that might not seem like they're, you know, scarce sets right now, there might be an angle there. Yeah, good stuff, man. Good stuff. Hockey Hockey wants to know from you, Brett, what's your favorite John Morant card? Oh man! So I actually I, I'm I'm out on John Morant right now. I sold all my John Morant uh, at the beginning of the season before he got hurt to uh, because I wanted to fund Peyton Manning collection. So I don't have a favorite right now because I don't have any. I love John Morant as a player though. So he was he was party he was like the first athlete that you really researched in terms of cards, and you've moved on. And that's the one thing about this hobby is that. We all evolve over time, and that could be day by day, week to week, month by month, year to year, decade by decade. It doesn't matter. We're always kind of moving forward, finding out, learning new things. As we learn in the hobby, there's so much information out there. It's in your best interest, I believe, to consume as much as you can so that you can really almost you know, accelerate your way through to where you will ultimately get to in terms of your, of your collecting style and uh, kind of, yeah, just, just find your way there so that you can, you know, kind of maybe avoid making some mistakes that other people have made along the way. So uh, it's interesting. And, and I find it's always, it's happening with me too, you know, and I know everybody, people out there, we're always kind of progressing how we're approaching and what we're collecting within the hobby. So good stuff. I'm actually glad to hear that, Brett. Uh, Corey Carr says, how much would you, how much would a card have to be selling for as a PSA 10 before you'll send it into PSA 10 on expedited service? I mean, it depends on the, on the rates, but uh, more, more money than less, I would say. I'm gonna throw out and I'm gonna throw out five grand, but I don't know. Could be less. You got a take on that, Brett? You know, I, it just varies per card. Per that's a loaded question. I think it just varies. There's so many variables. It just yeah. Yeah, it depends what you're doing with it. Is it for your personal collection, or is it something you need to flip, or you're gonna be selling? If it's for your personal collection, I'm willing to wait as long as I have to because um, I, I'm just patient that way. Peeps, good evening to you. Great to have you. Kickdown says we've seen WWE bring in and collaborate with many athletes famous outside of wrestling. Any athletes on your wish list to get into the squared circle, Brett? You know, I think just like most people right now, and I know he just uh, last image of us seeing him was uh, look uh, face down on the octagon mat. But 
I mean, who wouldn't want to see Conor McGregor in a WWE ring? I know I would. Yeah, for sure. Card Collector, good evening to you. Fire Sports, looking forward to another great show. Thank you so much. And here's the question of the night for you, Brett. Name one snow. Have you picked up any hockey cards yet? I love I love I love watching names collecting. I love uh being educated by name. I have yet to pick up uh I'm really about a connection and I, I, I watch hockey in the playoffs, but I don't have that connection, so I have not bought any hockey cards yet, name, but I'm not closing the door on it. Right on. Yeah, no, no doors closing. No doors closing. Jason Pringle, good evening. Hope you're still around. Peep says cards that came in the question of sport game include some greats like Greg LeMond and Mike Tyson. We got Vegas finds in the house, 777. Again, my guests on After Hours later on tonight. Joe Perot says hello to Brett from a fellow Curry collector. It was all class for Reggie Miller to congratulate Steph after moving into spot number two. What are some of Brett's favorite Curry holdings in his collection? I love the Reggie Miller call out. And I have, after that all happened, I I didn't realize this, but sub, in my subconscious, I, I have been attracted to Steph Curry because of my fandom for Reggie Miller. Um, so that's cool. Like I had that realization after he passed him. Um, I've got a lot of what I have on the Curry side right now are numbered parallels within the select and prism, um, in the select and prism products. And what I'm trying to do is blues and whites in prism and select, um, through from 2012 where he started to current day. So that's kind of the, the collecting journey I'm on right now with Steph Curry. All right, there you go, Joe. Justin Bode, welcome, says, cheese. I'm not sure what's in reference to, but it makes me smile. Cheese to you too, Justin Bode. Yam says, wrestling is so good at, at entering the culture. My third grader shouts John Cena when he wins at things. That's hilarious, Yam, hilarious. Uh, from an anonymous Facebook user, question for our special guest. What is your number one investment card? Uh, you know, to be honest with you, I, I look at it as, Probably Peyton Manning right now. I, it's it, it makes so much sense because he's my favorite athlete of all time. I think, you know, he, I think there's so much room to grow if you look at his body of work, if you look at his uh, likability, if you look at his relevancy within culture. Um, so uh, to me, the safest possible move and the most fun I can possibly have because he's my favorite athlete of all time is put the money into buying cool Peyton Manning cards. Yeah, right. I've seen some beauties sell recently. His credentials rookie. There was a couple that just sold for well into the five figures. A PSA not eight and a nine, or a nine and a ten. And I was, or whatever they're BGS, whichever they were. Beautiful cards, so cool. I'd love to have one, but um, very, very, uh, very expensive. On a very a big hit to the wallet for sure. Uh, Steve says I've got a bunch of cards. I've been so hesitant to grade, and I just. Don't know why. Well, it could be wait times, could be cost. There's a few reasons to maybe, you know, to, to, to take your time and make that decision or figure out exactly which cards you do want to get graded. But um, I mean, eventually I'll be, uh, I've, I've got, a, I got about 300 waiting to go too. And it's, it's just a matter of time. It's just a matter of time. Prism is the bomb, I believe. Yeah. Oh, Darcy, my man, Darcy on Facebook. Welcome, Darcy. All right. So, I got, here's a couple of things that I wanted to do with you tonight, Brett. Um, I really like on Instagram how you post a daily uh, a daily post and you basically call it your daily reflections where you just kind of provide advice to, to the community. Uh, 
a thought, something to to marinate on throughout the day, and to just see if. It, and I think the thing with the thing with some of these things that you post is that some of them are going to resonate with some people, some with other people, none with some, all with some. You know, however that all works out. But you know, and and myself as someone who follows you on Instagram, I read these things every day. Some of them I'm like, oh, he nailed it. You know, that one that that resonates with me. And some of them I'm like, ah, eh, you know, it's not maybe for me, but I'm sure it's for somebody, and that's awesome. So I've actually saved, uh, I actually kind of went and printed a bunch of them, well printed, I saved a bunch of them and I wanted to kind of touch on some of them here and just kind of get you to talk and share them with the audience because they're they're just, some of them are really insightful and I think they're important and they kind of can help help ground you within this hobby that has so much stimuli coming at us from every direction, especially because we're all so interested in, you know, we're all, I don't know about everyone out there, but I know about myself, I'm I'm always hobbying. I'm like, I'm like, I'm, I'm hobbying, you know, 80% of the time of my waking hours, I'm hobbying one way or another. So um, I figured that that would be something that we could share with people. And it really, you know, it, it also just shares a, a, or, or expresses, Brett, who you are and what you're, what you're trying to bring to the hobby for your podcast and your online presence. So we'll get to some of those. I, I do have them teed up and ready to go. I'm just looking at kind of the, in terms of discussing your podcast, Stacking Slabs, you know, you mentioned earlier that you study markets for a living. And I find that really, you know, very interesting because markets are interesting. And, you know, human behavior is interesting, especially in groups. And groupthink becomes a becomes an issue among, within the hobby on a regular basis, usually led by influencers and that. But how, how have you found that you've been able to use your professional skills in branding and, and studying markets um, to, you know, make your podcast what it is and really put you in the position as a, as a leader within the hobby? Yeah, so I think a big part about it is like uh, so much of the hobby and so much I like to do this. Everyone likes to do this. Everyone wants to show their cards and share their takes and talk about what they're doing and this and that. But I think if you just take some time and reverse that and about the hobby first, before you think about yourself, I think that that starts to get really interesting with the content that you're creating and the way you think about delivering posts, engaging with people in the hobby. And so I really look at it from that lens and that's what I'm constantly trying to do when I'm creating content and when I'm building brand. And I view that as building brand. I, I, I think there's so many companies that are forming in the hobby, which is so awesome. Um, there's so many uh, new people coming in the hobby, which is so, is so awesome. But I think if people took a step back and really thought about the audience that they're trying to serve and what they care about and be active in those communities and learn one-to-one -one with them, you'll, you'll really put yourself and put the hobby in a better position. So that there we've got, you open up your phone, you've got Instagram, you got the opportunity to connect with hundreds of other people that are in similar positions to you. So learning from others and sharing that information, that's my approach. And that's what I like to do. And I just think that's like, that's good operating and good brand building. Yeah, no, I agree completely with that. Okay. Let's, let's bring on one of these, uh, one of these daily uh, insights that you've, that you've shared. So I'm going to bring it on right now. So I'm just going to read it aloud. I know everyone's kind of reading it. Different opinions, different mindsets. These competing thoughts make this hobby move, but sometimes we become a collective. There are moments we, when we all rally, stand up for common belief, always unite when it means protecting what you love. So, 
you know, there, there's a lot of lot of lines in this in this message. But can you summarize kind of what 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 were you thinking when you came up with this one? So this is a response to Vegas Day, straight up. And I put this together because I was so impressed by the reaction of the hobby when he put his posts out. He put his posts out to get, get attention, to get people talk about him and have the focus on him. I think the response of the collective of the community was to protect the hobby and protect the sanctity of the hobby. And that's why I put the post together. And I just, I thought it was cool. And to me, it made me feel really good. And it made me feel like I was a part of something really important where it felt like digitally I could turn over my shoulders and everyone around me felt the same way as I felt. Yeah. Yeah. You nailed it at the, you know, different opinions, different, we're all different in this thing yet. We all have a common kind of uh goal, if you will. And that's the health of the hobby. And when someone's going to come out there and kind of threaten that, that's when we can get together and, and stand up for it. So yeah, well said, well said. All right. Um, let's move on to another one of these things. One of these uh, daily insights that you put out there. So this one says, sometimes the greatest investments can be per can be purchased at an all time high. It's not always about getting ahead of everyone else. It can be about having the brass to buy high because you have a deep understanding of consumer interest. The legends game is amazing. So was this in response to anything in particular or was this more of just a, a daily thought. I think it's a gamble with prospecting and everyone wants to gamble and try to get ahead and make three X, five X, four X, whatever, buy low, sell high. I think if you like look at websites and look at the hobby headlines, I'm a card ladder user and I get in card ladder every day. And undeniably the biggest change that is happening in the market are happening with legends cards. Well, what happens is someone decides, Hey, there's this LeBron James card, and last time it sold for $2,000. Now I have the opportunity to buy it for $5,000, and they, they buy it for $5,000 because they know I, I'm going to keep that card. It's a good investment, and I think two, three years I can sell this card for $20,000. So I think, to me, you should never be scared of buying high if you have a belief that that card will continue to gain value. Or if you're a collector and you just want to keep that card forever and you can't, you don't think you can find it again. Yeah, man. Well, well said. And, you know, that's a, that's a, that's a, a, a position that I, I, I resonates deeply with me because I've said before on the show that, you know, sometimes you want to buy a card, you have to, I've called it overpaying and it's not necessarily overpaying, but it is paying more than has ever been paid before for a card. But let's face it. If there, if that wasn't happen, date happening daily, prices would never go up. Right. Anytime we hear about these record breakers, it's because somebody felt that if they bought it now, they could in, the value on it could increase down the road. We're talking like investment mindset for the most part. The collector mindset's a little bit different in that you know you may not want to break the record when you're buying a card for your collection. And, you know, it depends where you land on that collector investor dichotomy on the spectrum, right? But if you're if you're collecting, you just need to fill a hole in your binder page, then you may not want to be breaking records, but if we're talking about rare, valuable, highly pursued cards, sometimes the only way to get them is to overpay. I've done it on a couple of occasions knowingly, and you kind of do take a deep breath. You know, okay, am I is this going to be the highest ever paid, like from in the in the past and in the future, or am I actually making an astute purchase? And um, I've been fortunate that when I've done it, it's worked out for me, but 
I mean, these things have worked out for a lot of people in the last year. I'm certainly no, no genius for doing it. Yeah, and I would say on that, Jimmy, is for the audience out there, if you're going to buy at an all-time high, it is much safer to do that on someone who is proven. And when I mean proven, I'm talking about they have championships. I'm talking about Hall of Fame ready or they're in the Hall of Fame. Like It is way safer to buy at an all-time high when the talent is proven. So that's a good clarifier there. For sure, yeah. When I'm when, and when I'm talking about my example, the one that pops into my mind is the Michael Jordan card. So obviously, it doesn't get any better than that in terms of goat status and longevity in the hobby and investment value. I'll use the investment value term there as well. But for me, it's collector value too. Like I, I love the darn card, and I don't plan to ever sell it. So. Yeah, let's see what Yam yeah, just dropped up, dropped in a comment here. He says, I've done better on overpays than most than most value plays. Yeah, see, that's right. If you're overpaying, it's because other people bid you up. That means there's a demand for it. So, you know, it's and it's always interesting. After an overpay, it's good to look and see how many unique bidders, if it's an eBay auction, how many unique bidders kind of bid in the same neighborhood that you were in. You know, if you win a card, I'm going to use a big number. If you win a card for $22,000, you may, and the last one sold for under 15, let's say, how many other people bid over from say 18 to 21.5 or whatever? Are there four or five other people? Because if there are, they're not out of play anymore. You might be out of play because you got your copy, but there's still four or five that are going to battle it out next time. And the new comp is now that 22 or whatever I said. So they may be willing to pay a bit more. So it's gonna, you know, it's gonna keep going. I, when I've overpaid for a card, I've I've gained comfort in looking at the at the bidders and seeing when there when there's a lot of unique bidders that are close to me within that range because you know that they're gonna be out there fighting and they'll drive up the next comps, which makes you feel better about your your investment. Fair? Yeah, yeah. I think uh, just on that point, uh, there's been three drops of Peyton Manning scarce cards. You you uh, talked about the essential credentials. There's been a lot of really good Peyton stuff that collector has and is phasing them out on PWCC. And I have been actively engaged in all three of these drops. And I've gone 0 for 10 on these car cards within these drops that I've wanted, uh, bid it out at the end. And to me, it sucks that I didn't get the any of the cards I wanted. But on the flip side, it helps validate the interest in the Peyton Manning market and my collection. So I, I have more confidence than ever with buying his cards in the future just based on how competitive those auctions that I lost were. Yeah, exactly what I'm exactly what I'm thinking too. So Peep says, uh, folks that thought they overpaid a year ago probably aren't unhappy right now. And that's that is kind of true across the board right now. So definitely, definitely appreciate that. Joe dropping knowledge on a Saturday night. Very, very, hope, hope, hope it's knowledge. Hope you guys consider it to be valuable to all of you. Uh, Yam asked this question a few minutes ago, Brett. Which athlete would you love to interview on your podcast? Um, it would have to be Peyton. I, I'd, I'd have trouble gathering myself for that conversation because um, – I've been, to, I've been to, I, I missed like maybe two Peyton Manning home games in his entire career. Um, he is my everything as an athlete. I, I watched his whole career, so I put him on a high pedestal. Um, but man, I'd, I'd love to talk with him about his cards and the impact. Uh, and I probably stumble over my words quite often, but if I had one athlete, it would be number 18. 
All right, there you go, Yam. Let's uh, let's now go back. We were talking about, you know, the, there was a question that we had, we responded to earlier, Brett. It was about, um, you know, buying a player's rookie card or their shiny inserts and parallels. Well, let's bring this daily reflection of yours up onto the screen. You say, don't avoid a legend's market if their rookie card is out of reach for you. The benefit of blue chip status is the myriad of entry points that can all sustain growth because of their collectability. Shiny and numbered is always a good place to start. So, you know, you said it right there and a little bit of a different angle because here, here what we're saying is, okay, if the Legends rookie card is out of reach for you, there's other entry points available. So, you know, to me, that makes perfect sense, especially in the land of Michael Jordan right now. And I, I mean, all of his cards are not inexpensive, but if you had your eyes on his rookie card, you know, that thing has gone up 10x in the last year at, at whatever grade point. So those may be out of reach for you. If you wanted a PSA 8 or PSA 9, now you may be in PSA 2, 3, 4 kind of land in terms of being able to afford one within your budget. But there's other cards that you can still get and enjoy. The problem with that, though, Brett, that I see is that people want the rookie. It's like they want the rookie first or they want the rookie at some point. So if you, how, how do you not, how do you switch from coveting that rookie card to coveting a non-rookie year, shiny numbered card that is still going to be, maybe Michael Jordan isn't the right guy to talk about this in context because his cards are all so expensive. They're out of many people's affordability range. So maybe we'll, maybe I just won't go down that road in terms of Michael Jordan. But can you explain how, do you have any examples or any case studies on where this actually worked for you or even a friend of yours, someone that was looking at a certain player and they ended up going with a really cool, shiny insert of parallel? Yeah, so I think uh, this might sound completely bombastic and I don't mean it to, but I think the way the rookie card perception has always been is changing and evolving and I, I think rookie cards will always be the number one however go study and look at what's happening with LeBron James cards go study and look at what's happening with Kobe Bryant cards go study and look what's happening with Tom Brady cards their cards in sets that matter I'm talking tops chrome I'm talking prism the parallels within those sets are becoming iconic because you have people that are entering the hobby when those sets were the first sets to market so i think the way collecting from rookie cards to rare and scarce parallels is changing quite uh, drastically this is something that i picked up on and on some collectors that i have that i hang out with in peyton manning collectors uh, one guy specifically kevin randall he goes by the captain 37 on instagram fantastic brady fantastic mahomes fantastic uh, Manning collector, and he's really educated me on just digging into Topps Chrome sets, the rare and scarce. Because if you go in and you go and say, okay, Peyton Manning, 2006, he won a Super Bowl with the Colts. Go look at his Topps Chrome black uh, parallel. There's 149, let's say. Well, maybe there's only 10 that's that are graded, and maybe only two of those are PSA 10s. Now, when he goes into the Hall of Fame. You don't think someone's going to want one of those cards if there's only two of them from the year he won the Super Bowl. So I think it's just educating yourself on what the market wants. And I think what we're seeing is that, that the market isn't just focused on rookie cards. Go look at card ladder hobby headlines every day. 
the cards that are moving aren't just rookie cards. And so I'm just studying and seeing what's happening. And I think it's, it's fun and it gives you more opportunities to dig into cards outside of just rookies. Yeah, no good stuff, man. I'm going to, I'm going to provide a, the, the hockey angle for those of you out there that are hockey collectors. I know there's a bunch of you and I'm sure this can be transferred to the other sports too, but if you think about young guns in hockey, and, and they've been blowing up lately, especially, you know, in the PSA 10, BGS 9.5 holders, they're they're available any day of the week in, in quantity on eBay, and they are getting big money. Like a PSA 10 Connor McDavid is now like, say, $3,000 just to pick. It's probably not exact just to pick a number, but he has other rookie cards that are more rare, that are serially numbered, that just don't get the respect. The Fleer Ultra, I believe it's out of 599 or 699. One of the two. 599 or 699. I mean, you can almost find that many of his young gun on eBay at any given time, and the card will sell for a fraction of the price. So if you're newer in the hobby and you feel like you're getting priced out of the commodity rookie card, whether it be the the, the 86 Fleer Michael Jordan or the Topps Chrome Kobe Bryant or LeBron James or the Connor McDavid or Austin Matthews or Alexi Lafreniere. There's going to be other cards that are other rookie cards that are going to come out in lower end or lower priced products that are going to have serial numbers on them. And the young guns don't, the tops chromes don't, except for that one year with Steph Curry, I believe, but otherwise they don't have numbers on them. So, you know, you can, there are some good opportunities out there. We've talked about the Fleer ultras on the show before and I mean, for hockey, for the for the guys from 2015 forward, uh, where there was a Fleer product, I think that those are some awesome, awesome value buys Re- relative to the uh, relative to the young gun. With Sidney Crosby, his young gun is a monster card now, but he's got an artifacts rookie out of 750 that people don't even pay attention to. A trilogy rookie out of 999. Jump in, Brett. Yeah, I think just this. I just want to respond to this because it's an observation and it's something I've been forming over time and. I, I uh, with with I, I my knowledge with hockey cards specifically is very small, but I think people like you and I watch the communities of hockey collectors. It reminds me, it's bigger, but it reminds me of what's going on with uh, wrestling card collectors in the community. It's very strong, very powerful, very passionate, and I think anytime you have those P's all together. Like that means a a market that is you should feel very comfortable with getting in. I mean, you can go down the parallels, the rare and scarce, this and that. But I think that's been my observation with the hockey card community is that what I know is the wrestling card community, and there's I draw parallels between the two of them. Yeah, I think one of this some of the similarities are we're a smaller market, or at least a perceived to be small. I mean, the hockey card community is huge. It's yeah. just we're sort of segregated. Most of us up in Canada. But there's plenty, plenty. And my my viewer demographics is well more in the United States than it is in Canada. Yet I'm in Canada. I'm mo- I'm kind of known for being a hockey guy. I consider myself an all sport guy, but I'm certainly more on the on the hockey side. If I had to to lean one way, so. But even still, we're we're a bit of a smaller community. We maybe feel like a bit of an underdog compared to the basketball, football, baseball. And I wonder if that's kind of how wrestling is feeling, but even to a larger extent. Totally. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, exact same way. Definitely. Hockey is certainly bigger than the wrestling community, but I, I almost look, I don't look at the wrestling card community and say, okay, if we keep doing this one day, we're going to be up like basketball card community. I don't think that, but I think aspirationally, like 
we can unite and maybe one day be like the hockey community. That's kind of how I see it. So that's that's a mind um, just that that blows my mind, mind blower because I've never heard a sports card uh, segment or, or or niche say that we just want to get to be like <laughs> hockey, right? It's always we want to get to be like basketball sort of thing. So I hey man, we're honored by that by that. Look at, the, look at the Gretzky card. I mean, it's undeniable. You've got that piece right now. That that you've got that piece. That man. That just that card in and of itself. It's iconic and. The, the opportunities that can come just from that card alone is tremendous. Yeah. I mean, that card is, I forget if it's the fifth or the seventh most expensive card ever sold, you know, is ignoring multiples, multiples of Honus and Mickey Mantle and all that. So yeah. All right. A couple more comments. We got Josh Jarrett in the house. Good evening to you. Peeps reminds everyone to hit the thumbs up. Cardboard Max. Good evening to you. Kickdown was happy to read that LeVert's surgery was successful. Pacers have a great young crew. Even rookie card inserts, Kickdown says, even rookie card inserts can be completely forgotten about. Curry stargazing comes to mind. Hobby has big tunnel vision on base rookies. I agree with that. However, I will say that I'm noticing the Hobby is now looking away from that commodity card and looking to those other rookie year cards. And I think that makes a lot of sense. Just because you don't get the RC designation next to the card's name doesn't mean that a card from the player's rookie year is any less, it doesn't have to mean that that card is any less important. And some of them are way nicer than any of the rookie cards that are out there anyway. I mean, it, it just, just goes to, it's just the way it is. You look at some of these cards that are inserts and they put more, it's almost like the designers at arena design back in the Fleer days, the Fleer skybox days, they put more creativity into these inserts because they had to, they had to think outside the box than they did into the base cards. And I'm kind of just, you know, making this up as I go along. This is a, a hot take because it's brand new in my head, but I think it makes sense. Brett, am I am I out to lunch here? Or is that kind of... No, I think it, it, it definitely makes sense to me. And I think one thing that, just in that example that you called out that, that I think is hurting in the hobby right now is just the competition. And I think the competition on the design in that era of, you know, trying to to best the other brand on creating the cooler inserts that made inserts more valuable today. Like look at the Jordan stuff. Um, and I, I, the one fear I have, which is inserts in general in this Panini era we're in is that the, the, uh, you know, I, 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 you can't even compare what we're seeing now to what, what, what came out in the nineties. And I would just, I, because there's a lack of competition, I would just be a little, uh, I would be a little careful with, the way you're collecting from a, and investing from a long-term perspective when it comes to the, the insert side, who knows it could change, but um, I just don't think the inserts are as cool as they were back then. Yeah. I, I'm with you that, I mean, the, they're trying, you know, Panini's done some, some nice inserts though. The, you got the color, the color blast, you've got the downtowns, you got the kabooms. These are things have gained legendary stat, iconic status hobby wise. Now, but the '90s, that's where those are the originals, and there's something to be said for that. And I'm, I'm, I love them. So, but I also like some of the retro tributes that have been coming out in the two, in the 20 teens here, uh, especially in Flare products. Please. Yeah, yeah, and I, I think with with like the color blast and the kabooms, I almost don't even view those as like inserts. They're almost pieces of art. They're like in another category. I mean, look at what the Kobe kabooms doing right now. Like that's just not normal. 
that's that's those cards aren't normal i so and the way the how scarce those are and just like one per case and I, those are those are beautiful cards i can i got asked by someone the other week what's my favorite insert type and i i had the caveat of saying well it's almost what's my favorite piece of art right now and that's the color blast and if you go look on ebay and i don't care who the player is you go buy try try to buy a color blast card like you're spending an arm and a leg so i think that's there's just different levels of inserts and you just gotta when you're talking about it that's how i view it yeah yeah oh i'm with you man i'm with you all right we'll get to some more comments here we're uh we're 10 minutes behind on them guys so apologize for the staggering but here we go bobby baseball said what do you think is a better investment for the same total amount of money on one card type, low grades or high grades? I understand the question, and I'm going to go with the high grade. I think I think uh, from an investment perspective, you're always better off to purchase the most expensive card you can afford. And we've got case studies that'll support that. Just look at Michael Jordan. You know, buy one PSA ten a few years ago, or buy five PSA nines. I think you're still going to be better off. Yeah, you're still better off with the PSA ten. Brett, anything to add to that? Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's it's amazing just in the last um, 10 to 12 months, just what has happened with just the interest on the PSA 10 card. That is the standard right now. So for me, I'd rather have one PSA 10 than a few PSA 9s on anything. Yeah, good stuff. Chris Cook, what's a bigger mindset shift? PSA 10 to PSA 9 or rookie card? to nine RC rare scarce. I'm going to go with the latter. I think moving from rookie card to non-rookie card is a bigger mindset shift than going from PSA 10 to PSA 9. And the reason for me is that PSA 9s are darn welcome in my personal collection. Back in the back in the 80s and early 90s, all we cared about was mint condition. If a PSA 9 is mint condition, gem mint is just like a bonus. So your thoughts on that, Brett? Yeah, I, I, I tend to I tend to agree. I mean, I want to take the contrarian view on this, but I, I mean, I agree with your take on that. I've got nothing to add. Yeah, no, and there, it, it's tough to go contrarian because we all it kind of is the contrarian. It's the contrarian um, mindset shift to go from rookie to non RC, which is why it's the bigger one, right? So yeah, yeah, yeah. Cardboard Max is damn right. Pop reports matter. Pop pop reports matter. Pop ones matter. Yeah, I, I agree because as far as commodity cards go, if they're low pop at high grades, that is still scarce in that grade. Doesn't mean the card is scarce. It's not. But the card is scarce in that grade. Vegas Fine says, what about Sidney Crosby's foil McDonald's rookie? Looks nice. I agree. Brett, if you're not familiar with this card, are you familiar with this I, card? I'm not now. So in Canada, in around 2005, 2006, there was a McDonald's was doing hockey cards and they, they did a set and they had Sidney Crosby in the set and it was only distributed at the restaurants. So not, not, and it wasn't available in the, in the US, I don't believe. And there was a rule against rookie card designation being awarded to cards that are not really pack pulled. And Beckett made the call 15 years ago now and said, we're going to give it the RC designation. So it actually carries it according to Beckett. And therefore the hobbies accepted it as such, maybe not everybody, but you know, generally it's been accepted. And, uh, and it, it's, it's one of those cards where it's kind of the lowest end Crosby rookie, but it's far from the ugliest. In my opinion, it's actually a pretty cool looking card. I love stuff like that. That sounds like Yamwax territory, the way he collects the the stuff like that. I, I love stuff like that because it's like no one's really looking at it yet. And you can be the first one to grab it and start talking about it. I think that's cool. 
Yeah. So by the time we get to about three comments from now, Yamax will already have bought a copy of this <laughs> on eBay and it'll show up on his Instagram account in about a week from now. So Yam, sorry to distract you from your eBay searches right now. Apologize for that. We got ZS420 says, when it was just hockey collectors buying hockey cards, Young Guns reign supreme, but new eyes will be will value things for different reasons. Maybe. I 100% agree with that, Zed, because I've been saying to Upper Deck now for a good year, you got to bring that Fleer brand back because the Fleer brand is what's recognizable outside of the hockey niche, outside of us, outside of the hockey collectors, basketball collectors, football, baseball, they all know Fleer. They all love Fleer. And there's a lot of nostalgia around the Fleer brand, especially because all those awesome cards from the 90s were Fleer cards. So I, you know, I believe that a lot of these new collectors coming over to hockey or dipping their toes in the hockey market will buy what they're somewhat familiar with. And I think that's Fleer and Skybox. We do have a Skybox, uh, a Skybox product coming out in April, Skybox Metal Universe, which is going to be awesome. I can't wait for it. But I think you're on to something there, Zed. I agree. Brett, you got uh, something to add? Yeah, so I, I'll just on that. I'll, I'll, uh, to, for the powers that be, to, for someone who is not collecting hockey, if you want to get our attention, you're releasing Flare Ultra, you're releasing Flare, and the nostalgia packaging that we knew growing up, that will get my attention, and that would get me to dip my toe into that market. Yeah, 100%. So if you guys look on the ticker right now, at uh, the upcoming guests I have for episodes showing up right now, February 20th, Mike Phillips from Upper Deck is joining. And he's someone that has some influence when it comes to these things. So we will be talking to him and expressing our, our desires as collectors as to what we want to see. Because sometimes the card companies, they listen to the distributors and the distributors listen to the retailers. And the retailers are the ones that are listening to the to the customers. But I believe that there's a gap there. And I believe that the, that there's a gap in that they shouldn't really be looking to the distributors right now because what what was the what was the case in 2012, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17 is no longer the case. The hobby has changed drastically. And my understanding is the distributors say, well, FLIR products don't sell in hockey. They just sit there. They sit there. Well, that's no longer going to be the case, mark my words. It's just the world. The hobby's a different landscape right now. All right. Ben Carlo says, Brett, how do you feel about AEW all-in cards? If wrestling cards start to pop off and AEW does the unthinkable and surpasses WWE? I, I will tell you, Ben, I have an entire set of the all-in cards in Card Saver 1s right now getting ready to go to PSA. I'm a massive AW fan, been a fan since the jump, been to several pay-per-views. It is my, I watch everything, but that is my centerpiece product right now. So there's a lot of people in my age demo that are feeling the same way I feel about the AEW product. I'm excited for Upper Deck to be releasing the AEW cards this year. But I think if you look at the 97 Cardinal and the Stone Cold Rookie and you look at the 82, 83 All-Stars, the Wrestling, like there's going to be a growing population around these AEW cards and those all-in cards are going to be the first. I mean, you've got the NJF rookie in there. Um, There's just a lot of good stuff. So I'm a big fan of those cards. Uh, Don't tell anybody. (laughs) Too late, buddy. Too late. Yamwax jumps in with a good question. Brett, if you could have one premier rookie card of a modern NFL player, which do you go with? Oh, this is a good one. 
Um, modern NFL player, premier rookie card, uh, Mahomes. I mean, it's unlike so many other people feels felt like they missed the boat on Mahomes, and I just, I my style is if if I stop everything what I'm doing and turn on the TV and to watch them play, and Mahomes is one of those players, so I'd have to go Patrick Mahomes. I know that's like the easy answer, but he's the answer for me. He he's yeah. I mean, you didn't ask me, but I'm I'm going the same direction as Brett. There, it's kind of an easy answer right now. He. And that's one of the things about this Super Bowl coming up. It seems to be a real symbolic Super Bowl, like the passing of the torch type of thing. Old goat, next goat, potentially. I think it's pretty uh, pretty cool that that's the way the Super Bowl worked out. It's nice that it's going to happen in Tampa Bay, where Brady is, you know, the team he's playing with now. So that's pretty neat. And um, I'm, you know, I don't have I don't have a horse in this race at all. I don't. I got a couple Brady cards. I don't have any Mahomes cards. But I want to see Mahomes win it. I want to see that transition from old goat to new goat or next goat, potentially, and uh, see see where the future goes from there. I think that would be just a neat moment in history for the for the NFL as the years go by from from here. Um, all right, guys, we're gonna go through a few more of the comments. We'll get to some more of Brett's uh, daily reflections as well. I want to I want to bring up a few more of those that are awesome. Ray Ban, good evening to you. Welcome to the show. Canner Collect is going to snap into a Slim Jim. Good evening to you. Joe wants to know, how does Brett feel about auto and jersey cards? Most of his collecting has resisted following the masses with rookie card obsession. My best Peyton Manning holding is a one of three triple threads. Sweet issue. What are your thoughts on that, Brett? I, you know, I love I love jersey patch auto cards. Um, rookie RPAs, um, they're just so darn expensive. So it's just, to me... That's not my typical entry point, but I think they're great cards. I would say, like, for me personally, if I'm going to go get those cards, I want them to be in the sets that I think are the most significant to the hobby. So it's like, I know it's expensive, but, like, National Treasures, like, that's where I'm immaculate. Like, those types of sets are typically where I'm I'm applying. If I'm spending my money, I'm trying to work myself up to those cards. But great cards. I think a big piece is game worn versus, you know, if you can get game worn, like that's a whole nother conversation, but good cards. And if you like collecting them, collect them. Yeah, for sure. I'll take a stab at it too, though. Uh, Brett and Joe, for me, when it comes to rookie cards, I, I, I don't really want anything on that card except for the card itself, maybe a serial number personally. Uh, and, and now I'm more into the shiny inserts and parallels that don't have autographs or jersey pieces on them. All that said, there are some extremely, I'm, I'm also all about important cards, iconic hobby cards, you know, like, like Michael Jordan's first autograph or his first autograph jersey, Wayne Gretzky's first autograph jersey. Those to me are super important. But in hockey, we've seen like SPX, the, the SPX brand, Brett, it's got a jersey, it's got an autograph but not my favorite look for a card. So, you know, that, that's kind of where I'm at with those. But thanks for that question, Joe. Uh, Cardboard Max has 90s inserts rule, and inserts now have parallels that make them way less cool. See, that's... Uh, that's and that's thing. a good one. Right? Because inserts are awesome. But as soon as you parallel the insert, <laughs> yeah. the less rare insert isn't... Now you want the, the rarer one. That's what I find where I find my desires going. How about you? I agree. Like you look at like an insert that I enjoy. I'm not a big fan of this product necessarily, but an insert I enjoy is like the My House from Optic. 
it, but then like I started to enjoy it way less when I started to understand that there were like 20 different, maybe that's drastic, but 12 different variations of the My House card. I was like, that just takes the fun away from it for me. Yeah, at that point, at that point, I want the rarest of the parallels. But if that rarest of the parallels is out of one, three, or five, and it's you know one, three, or five x the the regular parallel in terms of cost, I kind of maybe shy away altogether, or or I go for the rainbow, if you will, potentially. It depends on the card and the player and and the looks as well, right? It's got the aesthetics have to be there. In like 99.9% of my pickups, aesthetics is the most important thing after player portrayed. Thank you for this anonymous Facebook user. Uh, Happy to be one one of your two favorite hobby people sharing the screen with Brett. Canner says, case hits from 90s football and baseball are a fraction of basketball. Yeah, PMGs especially. Although I'm noticing those football, the the big football guys, the, the Barry Sanders, the Jerry Rice, the Brett Favre's, their PMGs. Are no the Dan Marinos, John Elways, they're not slouch cards. Those cards are getting respect. They're not getting Michael Jordan respect, but who really does? You know, Jerry Rice is now kind of selling at that same level as the Scotty Pippen would be, that kind of thing. So it's actually maybe becoming more more equitable. What do you what do you think, Brett? Yeah, and I think it's all just a reflection of Jordan. Like it's because you know the, all the attention was on that card, and then everyone saw or noticed how cool that those cards were that they started to look in other avenues. And then obviously football is an avenue. And then they say, well, if I'm going to look in football, let me look at the iconic players during that. So I think those prices are driving up. So I think the, the if you're looking to get those cards now, the ship is for, for a, an affordable price, the ship is kind of sailed, but um, yeah, Michael, it's, it's funny how much impact Michael Jordan has on everything. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Okay. I'm, I, I skipped a few comments. I'm going to move back to here. Victor says, I love rookie inserts, but we have to call them what they are. Rookie year, rookie parallel, et cetera. I agree. Victor, I'd love to see the RY designation earn respect in the hobby and earn a place in the hobby where it's being used because RY tells you that a card is from the rookie year, not necessarily a rookie card, but a rookie year card and rookie year cards are to me are very important. They're significant. That's their rookie year. That's the youngest you're ever going to see a player look on a card. So I want to see that gain more respect in the hobby. Zed says new creative directors, please Panini, which ties into Michael Ham's comment right here. Panini plays out an insert. They need to keep them rare, not put them in every product. See this discussion came up a long time ago and I misunderstood the discussion. I'm talking a couple months ago on the show, but I'm understanding it now and I'm agreeing that, you know, it's one thing to put the same insert in the same brand year after year, maybe change the design a little bit. I'm okay with that. You build equity in, in the insert brand that way. But if you're taking that insert and you're putting it in every different product, yeah, that's where I think we need to get a little bit more creative and come up with new concepts that are that are really that fit in with the brand itself because each brand but whether it's panini upper deck tops or leaf they all have their own kind of flavor and you want the inserts to reflect that or take a complete left hand turn don't reflect it but over time become kind of associated with that brand make sense yeah it's just like i think mosaic specifically like the if you look at mosaic and look at the football product it being their first year and i think something really good that panini decided to do was say all right well we're going to bring the stained class and put it in 
as the insert set of that and make it super scare and super scarce. Well, as me as a football collector, I might not care about mosaic base cards and this and that, but I might have interest in purchasing or getting involved in that product at some level because I do have interest in in the stained glass because it's a cool card and it's scarce. So I I, I would much rather have that scenario than taking a, an insert and just uh, you know spreading it thin and putting it throughout a bunch of different products. So totally agree with you there. Yeah. So does kick down. He says, yeah, they don't have to recycle designs constantly, which I, I agree with. It'd be nice to spread them out a little bit, but you don't have to abandon them. It doesn't have to be one and done. You can bring them back in a tribute style sort of thing or every third year, whatever it may be. There's ways to, there's ways to keep it, to keep the design in rotation, but not water it down. I think that's an important balance that the card companies need to really find find where that where that uh middle point is for that for sure uh tiger jordan says uh 90s inserts had parallels too. think tops with refractors and then atomic refractor yeah 100 100 hello super bad great to have you yam says i was literally looking through crosby mcdonald's results when brett called me out <laughs> stay tuned there you go Yam. i knew it knew it for sure yeah, Zed, I want cases of metal hockey too. I am so excited for that too. Justin says, oh man, I thought that Marvel would create a buzz. I think Marvel, I'm hearing some rumblings that Marvel is creating a buzz. It's not necessarily for me, although I can see myself chasing some of the bigger, the Spider-Mans, the Hulks. The, uh, I'm a big fan of Deadpool. I think a Deadpool PMG would be pretty awesome. I know they're out there. I haven't pulled the trigger yet, but I may, if there's any left after the show, that is. <laughs> Cardboard Max says, I collect 92 Stadium Club members only basketball because it's the first premium basketball set, first insert set, beam team. Yeah, there's a there's a good reason to collect right there. Michael says, Marvel Comics got that not as much as the cards, but the cards have gotten a boost for sure. We're seeing some of that. Steve Sir wants to see Young Guns for players that didn't get them in their rookie year, like Anders Lee, the captain of the New York Islanders. Yeah. But it's too late. I don't, you know, they've done young guns in later years, especially 0405, but they're not during the player's rookie year. They're more tribute type. So it's almost like for modern players, you can't really do young gun anymore. If you do, it's not going to be an RC. It's just going to be an insert in a later year. Brett, you got something on any of this? Um, no, I'm, I'm, I spent this whole time all these hockey conversations just thinking about what Yamwax does during these shows. <laughs> <laughs> I want let's get a camera on Yamwax. That should be like you that's like uh that's like should be one of your segments you kick it to. What's Yamwax searching for? <laughs> let's look at Yamwax search. Let's look at the back of Yamwax's head while he's searching eBay for what we're talking about. Justin Inventory says, okay, so this guy will know about WWF 97 Cardinal trivia set with Rocky, Maeva, and Stone Cold, etc. exploding in prices. Are you aware of what's going on there? Yeah, these are, so these are the yellow border cards that we talked about, and I think um, there's been uh, just a, a lot of attention on these. Um, you know, I, I think the, the thing I like about these cards, even though they're not like trading cards, they're trivia cards, um, I like the fact that these cards were played with. Like people open these up, played with them, and they're, they're not in good condition typically. So – the, the, the attraction is getting these cards in good grades, which is very difficult to do. Personally, like I would probably rather have other, these aren't my favorite cards just because they're trivia cards. And that to me, there's, I have an issue with those. So I'd much rather chase the 82, 83 wrestling all-star cards, which are 
cards and have stories on their back and are meant to be trading cards than I would the 97 set. But I think based on the boom of wrestling in the Attitude Era and those with Stone Cold, and which that isn't typical, that is not Stone Cold's rookie card. It, it, there's the Stunning Steve WCW card. But that's the debate we can have on like what's the true rookie, this and that. But it is the Rock, the Rock's rookie card. So I, I think like it's a good set. I think it's scarce. Not my favorite set. I think there's been a little bit of an overreaction in the hobby on it, but people like it. So um, we'll see what happens with it. There we go. There we go. I want to bring up uh, David's comment here. He says Marvel cards are on fire. A PMG Green Iron Man just sold for six k. A Jambalaya Spider Man also, and the ninety two masterpieces are hot as well. So there's there's what's hot in, in Marvel right now, guys. Superbad says, do you guys think Upper Deck will come to basketball? I'm, uh, you know, it's not up to them. It's up to the and uh, the NBA and the PA, but uh, they would love to, no doubt about it. Just inventory, I'm calling a Panini Galaxy set, similar to Metal. Yeah, I could see that happening. Cardboard Max sold the 2017 Prism Silver Mahomes rookie card for 40 bucks raw because at the time you doubled your money. Yeah, <laughs> doubling is not a great return compared to what it would be now, but hey, hopefully you took that 40 bucks and you put it into something that you love. That's all. Oh, we got Rodman Martinez in the house. Welcome, Rodman PC. What's up, Rodman? Yeah, one of, one of the best uh, Michael Jordan collections out there in terms of inserts and awesome scarce cars. I love it. Okay, guys, there's there's talk in the chat about what's going on at Golden Auctions right now. Yam informs us that the Jordan PSA 10 is over 700,000 and still going. So the last one was under four, or I believe under four. We had that SGC 10 that sold for 420 or four something a, a little while ago, but over 700K. That actually, I don't want to say it blows my mind, but that's worthy of discussion. Goes on to say the FLIR, it's over 700K now with buyer's premium still going. Yeah, we're surprised. Ryan Bitter says, can you please comment on Golden? <laughs> Golden Auction going crazy right now. I think it's a good time for us to, to do that. I'm going to just, I'm going to say the first thing, Brett, then I'm going to turn it over to you. Gary V said publicly that that Michael Jordan card will be a million dollar card in the next year to whatever he said. I don't know. When Gary V says something like that, these things seem to happen a lot faster than he says they're going to happen. So that's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking he said it, and there's some people out there who believe that it's worth a million bucks, so they better go get one. Whether they're private equity people, whether it's the fractional ownership companies, or whether it's you know our extremely wealthy fellow collectors. I don't know who it is. We may or may not find out. I'm not that surprised because of what's been put out there into the ether that this is going to be a million dollar card one day. So not surprised. I don't know that the next one will sell for more. I don't know that it'll sell for less. Who knows? It, uh, it's speculation. It's the one thing I the one thing I do know is that it's exciting, and I just hope that it's sustainable. And I don't know that it is. Brett. Yeah, I think my first comment is just to shout out Ken Golden and Golden Auctions and what he's been doing for the hobby. I mean, this guy is uh, just—he's created this platform, and I mean, the excitement and the energy just in those posts. Everyone's paying attention to it, so. Think just shout out to him and what he's doing to the hobby. Just thumbs up, 100 stamp emoji in the air. Um, love what he's doing, and I think everyone should get hit hit him with a follow. It's just a really guy, really good guy to be involved in the hobby. Um, so there's that. I think the Jordan card. It's 
it's the iconic card. It's the any hot LCS you go to in the country, there's probably a poster. There's probably something that resembles that card. So, you know, I, I think Gary V probably adds to this a little bit, which my take is I think, you know, Gary's a – it's good to have those cheerleaders on the sidelines sideline, with a big megaphone. I think it, the interesting thing will be – can the hobby and can the community after some of these big sales continue to support um, the growth and the elevation of that card? But that Jordan, I mean, the Jordan card, where that goes, the hobby goes. So my take on it is um, it's a really good thing for the hobby. All right, man. Good take. Yeah. And, and, and thank you for the shout out to Ken Golden. He's certainly helped take the hobby more mainstream than it's ever been just with just with his media appearances uh on on cnbc and elsewhere he's really brought a lot of attention to the hobby and you know uh in my opinion was the most influential person in the hobby last year um i don't know anyone who who had more influence on the hobby than he did so you know in in a real direct way right not just not i'm not gary v is influential too but but he's just talking he's not in the business of the hobby at this uh, he okay he might have some investments sure but he's not out there buying and selling cards in the in public like ken golden is of course um here bobby baseball asked a question we sort of touched on it but i like this the way he words it do you see vintage rarity as more important than manufactured modern rarity in cards what do you think brett you know i I'm personally not deep in invested in the vintage game. I will say this. I I love the I the concept and the idea of just time passing and uh, value being added to cards just based on time passing. So I think, you know, I don't know. I I think vintage rarity it's just when you can say like like the mantle card, when you can say like, will we ever see a card graded higher than this? Or what, if there's only a few sets, like there's a, a period of time where you're like, there's not going to be any more of these cards that appear. And something about that, that really gets me excited, but um, not typical, not, not big in the vintage. So I'm more into the manufactured side. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Fair. I mean, I, I'm going back and forth in my mind. I'm thinking to myself, well, it's about the same because it comes down to populations, whether it's graded or just existing. And just because a card came out in 2020 instead of 1920 and has a serial a serial number on it that makes it obviously rare at, say, 10. And you know that a card from 1920, there's 10 copies on the pop on the PSA BVG pop reports combined. Those are equally as rare. One's 100 years old. One's one year old. So one has a lifetime of experience and then some, and one is just a baby. But the rarity is the same. It's almost like humans, right, Brett? When you're born, you're, you're a one of one. When you're 100 years old, if you make it that long, you're a one of one. You're as rare as the next human being, just like the card out of one is as rare as the card out of one from way back in time. So what's more important? I mean, you know, the, the traditionalists are going to say the vintage is more important. I don't know. I don't have an answer. I love it all. That's the thing about me. I collect cards from 1888 to 2021. And every year I add another year onto it. I think they're beautiful from all eras. So I don't know. I don't know what's more important. Um, if I had to pick one, Brett, if I had to pick one to be more important, I'm going to go vintage. I just think it's it just makes more sense. But auctions, 
of cards that are very rare, like the Giannis logo man that sold for $1.8 million by Ken Golden. There's very few scarce vintage cards that have even encroached on $1.8 million. So what's more important? But Giannis is still playing. He's got a big career ahead of him. There's there's five championships baked into that price. So who really knows? But I think I'd go with vintage on that if I had to pick an answer. But I'm but I think they're getting to be more even than ever before. That'd be my yeah, on that. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of the beauty is in the eye of the beholder uh, take, and it's I think just with the Giannis with the Giannis example, it's the, it's the connection with the player in the market and. I think maybe just as the demographics of people in the hobby now, like you've got a lot of people that are between, you know, maybe the ages of 30 and 40, and maybe they don't have the connection with a bunch of guys that are in the 50 night, the, the Bowman 48 Bowman set and this and that. So I think that plays a role in it too, but no great answer except for beauty is in the eye of the beholder, I think. Yeah, good good way to finish that discussion. Canner Collect says billionaires are coming into the hobby. The new floor is the ceiling. Yeah, I've never thought of it like that, but I like that. I like that comment. I want to think about it. Let, let it let it resonate in my head a little bit. I like that comment. Card collector lets us know the Lou Gehrig rookie card is about to hit a million dollars. Wow. I mean, that's a nice landmark for that card. Cardboard Max says, I try to buy cards that would make me flip my poop if I opened them in a pack. That's a great approach, right? Something that you if it's going to make you flip your, you know what, that means that you're, you love the darn card. So yeah, I think that's a great card to chase. Big Eunice says, if 86 Jordan hits 1 million, how long before 03 tops Chrome? LeBron James hits 500K. Not long, Big Eunice. <laughs> Not, Not long. Yeah, Not long, man. Um, uh, long. I mean, that, that's, that's the, that's the connect. I mean, anytime Jordan cards are going to do something, LeBron is going to follow. I mean, just think about the conversations. It's, they're, they're already think about okay LeBron let's talk about LeBron for a second LeBron I mean the Lakers look like they're gonna do it again okay and then it gets to the point where you don't think LeBron's gonna sit there and be like all right like I only need two more like so I think that's the interesting thing you've got an active legend active legend of legends playing right now and we're getting to watch this unfold and happen while this Jordan card's about to hit a million dollars that's the story. I'm not invested in any of it, but that's the storyline I'm watching from a sports sports fandom lens and from a hobby lens. It's amazing. I love that. Yeah, and I, I think I think in terms of LeBron um, and who uh, card collector makes the very smart comment that yeah, the refractor for the LeBron, not not the base, because just population is going to hurt it. We're talking, you know, 320 PSA 10 Jordans versus. 15,000 or so. I, I don't know the number on the LeBron tops Chrome, but I know it's well into the thousands. So, but the, 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 the refractor parallel could easily get there. Why not? We've seen them sell for 150 grand, I believe. So the 150, 150 grand to 1 million, I think is a, is an easier mountain to climb than five grand to 150 grand. Right. So totally. could be wrong on that, but I mean, it just seems like we're, we're going to see it one way or another here. Carbar Max is two years or less. Yeah, why not, right? Uh, the LeBron Chrome rookie won't hit 500K unless the Jordan hits 2.5. Could be, could be. Cardboard Max says, congratulations, you've received a manufactured patch. Yeah, lots of manufactured patches out there. Rob Gardner, great discussion with these crazy auction prices. Could you discuss the crazy disparity between BGS 9.5 and PSA 10 prices? BGS 
Seems to be a value now I own both in my PC at times. BGS looks nicer. I mean, go ahead, Brett, please. Yeah, yeah. So I I have BGS slabs. I have PSA slabs. But it, it really comes down to, I mean, look at this last year and look at what, like, the market and look at what people were saying or where the interest was. Most of the interest was in PSA. A lot of things happened in PSA's favor with the with the Nat Turner news, and I think Beckett took a little bit of a step back for. And there were some operational flaws with some of the the way the backlog was handled with from PSA's perspective. Somewhat as a consumer, I would say they probably did a better job with the communications. And so I just think like if you if you if you go to Instagram and someone's breaking a box of submissions that they got back, like probably nine times out of 10, those are going to be PSA slabs. So I just think the market right now um, has a vested interest towards PSA. And I think that PSA 10, like just in in nature, 10 is is a lot more valuable than 9.5. And so I, I buy them both. I think it depends on both. But I think for me and the difference in the separation between a 10 and a 9.5, I think is justified from a from from the way that the, those two companies have gone over the past year and how the market has responded, I agree, man. It's they use different grading scales. Number one, so you you know a, it's a lot harder to get a PSA ten, I believe, than it would be a BGS nine point five. Just like it's much harder to get a BGS ten than it is a PSA ten. But we have to understand that. It doesn't mean that there's no BGS 10s hiding in PSA 10 holders. If you break out every PSA 10 Connor McDavid young gun and send them to BGS, you're going to get mostly nine fives, probably no nines. And you're going to get a couple BGS 10s, maybe even a black label. If you're lucky, that's the the nature of the game. Just like with BGS 9.5s. If you send those into PSA, you're going to get some tens. You're going to get some nines, likely no eights, likely no eights, but nines and tens. I don't know what that breakdown is going to be, but the one thing that BGS gives you are those subgrades in most cases where you can actually make an educated guess or an, an, not even a guess, an educated you know assessment as to whether or not that card will come back at PSA 9 or a 10 based on the subgrades. Is it min subgrades? Is it a true gem card at 495s or is it a true gem plus? Right? Maybe it's a true gem plus. You got three nine fives and a ten or three or two nine fives and two tens. You're very likely to get a PSA ten out of that card. Anything to add to that, Brett? You nailed it. And I think I loved how you called out the subgrades. I think that's an a, a, a thing that I'm attracted to that uh, BGS is doing. And I think it too, it's just the card in and of itself. There are car- I submit a lot. Um I'm constant because I think a high volume of activity is a healthy way to operate in the hobby. And so there are cards just based on the cards and brands they are that I would I know that I'm not going to get a 10 if I send it to PSA because it's a maybe a thicker stock card or maybe it's a patch. And so those are cards I'm sending to uh, BGS. But when I get those cards back, I do appreciate the subgrades so I can have some sort of understanding of what went into the thought process when the final grade came out. Yeah, I'm with you, man. There's nothing worse than getting your card back that you pre-graded as a nine. It comes back to seven and you have no idea. Tell me why. You charged me so much money. Tell me why. Tell me why. Thanks for the question, Rob. Great question. Nick Sutherland says, you know, just a statement. He says, so much focus on the goats 
in all sports and LeBron is still going strong. And, you know, goats, I think we're, we're broadening the qualification to become a goat because especially in basketball, no one's going to, I mean, no basketball collect. I'm not going to say no collector. My opinion is that Michael Jordan is the goat, but you can call LeBron a goat. There can be more than one goat in the stable. There doesn't have to be just one goat anymore. Even though it's greatest of all time implies one player. I get that. But, you know, you've got different goats in different eras, different generations. You got over, you got overlapping goats right now in hockey. We've got Crosby overlapping with McDavid and maybe we'll get McDavid overlapping with Lafreniere if he's, he did have a game winning goal the other night in overtime, which was very exciting. Would be, I'm sure that a lot of Lafreniere uh, investors slash collectors let out a, let out a, a breath of air there. But um, I mean, goat to me is not, it, it, it doesn't necessarily, the definition isn't necessarily as technical as it could be or should be, or would have been at one point in time. Yeah. I, I like to use the term legends or, or iconic when describing those types of cards. And to me, I, or players. And to me, I just look at, I think about them and think about championships and I think about transformation. And like, if I can compare, if I, if I've got some transformation or some championships and I can think about them and apply it to a card, like that's, that's why I think of Steph Curry. He's got the championships, transformative player. So to me, he's an iconic and he's a legend. Oh, I wouldn't necessarily, I wouldn't necessarily call him the goat, but like, to me, I'm looking for those ingredients when I'm, putting my money in sports card investments. But he's the goat of three-pointers. But, but he's a subcategory. He's the goat of three-pointers. He's the he's the goat of shooting. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> like that, that's, that's goat-worthy right there, right? You know, speaking of goats and how we look at them, Carvin Chung, the architect, the inventor of Cup and Exquisite, who's been on the show here a few times, very active on Instagram now, He's he likes to refer to goat moments in terms of, you know, really assessing a player's legendary status in the hobby or in the, in the sport. And players that have GOAT moments really become the true, the, the, the true icons, the true legends, the true GOATs, the ones that we're never going to forget about. So uh, and I shout out to Carvin on Instagram, at Carvin15. Give him a follow. The guy's got great insights. He worked at Upper Deck Panini. He's in distribution now. He's a collector. He had a LCS when he was younger. You know, so he, he he covers all the bases. So give him a follow and uh, get some of his insights and watch him on this show and others as well. Fire Sports says, for me, Dan Marino is the GOAT. Yeah, fair, fair. Nick Sutherland couldn't agree more. Building Buildership welcomes as GOATs, Jordan, Kobe, LBJ. Right, to me, that's, that's bang on. Those are the three GOATs of basketball. There's other GOATs. There's Will Chamberlain. There's Magic Johnson. There's Larry Bird, co-goats. Bird Johnson, co-goats, right? And then you've got Bill Russell. And, you, you know, there, Kareem. Like, there's lots of – but the question is, Brett, is there only room for one goat or are these just legends and icons? And the other one, the other thing we're not mentioning is the Mount Rushmore approach where, you know, let's just make it – let's go easy. Make it easier on ourselves. Let's pick four players so we don't have to exclude any of these great players. To me, I'm such a trouble with the word goat because it's so overused in the hobby, I think. And I really view like the word, it's greatest of all time. There can only be one greatest of all time. But I like what you said about the moments, the goat moments. That that makes a lot of sense to me. But again, all the guys you're talking about, the one thing everyone needs to focus on above all else, I think, is championships. 
everyone you said, you can apply a championship with those players. So make sure if you're spending a lot of money on someone, there's a championship associated with them because if there's not, there's a big room to whiff. And that's why I love Giannis. I, I love how he stayed in Milwaukee. I think he's a fantastic player. I view him a lot like Peyton Manning before Peyton Manning won a championship. And I, I had all those painful moments of Colts getting bounced by Tom Brady and the Patriots. And then the Peyton Slade, the dragon was finally able to do that. I'm hoping for that for Giannis. But the reason why I can't get deep in the Giannis game right now is because he doesn't have the championship. You're right. He doesn't have the championships, but the championships are built into his prices already. That's right. You know, same with Connor McDavid. So the, these guys who are the 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 they're the best of of right now are that haven't won yet. Those championships are built in, and I agree with you. Championships are important for the long term value of a, of a player, and it's it's you know there are some players who've never won that are still important, but. You need those championships to cement your spot, I believe, on that Mount Rushmore of, of the hobby. Yeah. Uh, I like this comment. Canner says, we are all goat farmers. Yes, <laughs> yes, we are. Goat herders, goat hoarders. We're all, in the, we're all in the goats business. But I agree with you, Brett. It does. It's not even a nice sounding word, goat, you know, and yet we use it to describe our favorite cards of our favorite players sort of thing. The best players ever. But you're right. There can only be one greatest of all time. The problem is no one can agree on it. And no one can. And that's what keeps it interesting, I suppose, right? Goat moment. The 2008 Topps Chrome LeBron Kobe card says, peeps, that's a goat moment card right there. I agree. That is a really, really cool card. Hockey guy says, for me, Zygmunt Palfi is the goat. Ziggy Palfi is an obscure hockey player from the 1990s that weaved his way through defenses. Card Collector says, wow, Luca Gold Prism is at 650K without buyer's <laughs> premium. Oh, Chris from House of Jordans is loving hearing that. Wow. Billy is, Billy is the goat. That's Billy from Upper Deck. Yes, I'm Coco for goats. We're having fun with the goat word right now. Loves the 2008 Kobe card. Getting one great. LL Cool J is the goat. There's what we're, sorry. There's what we're talking about, Max. There's what we're talking about. My buddy Eastridge Sports, this is Mike. My LCS locally says the collector side of me collects the shiny numbered parallels over autos and memorabilia cards. I don't need 20 autographs of the same player. That's my position too. I don't need 20 of the same player. I'm happy with one. Giannis, kick down. Giannis will come. Giannis's time will come post LeBron. Very, very possible for mm -hmm. sure. Oscar, dad, welcome. Says Mike Trout is in the same boat. No championships. Right. There's, there's a great example of that situation where it doesn't seem to matter. He's got the second most expensive sports card of all time in his name. So that doesn't necessarily matter. And Mike goes on to say, I think cultural relevance also holds a degree of importance as well as championships. Ichiro has never played in a world series yet. His rookie cards sell well. Great, great point to add on. Hey Brett, what do, what do you want to add to that? I love that point. I think cultural relevancy is a huge, um, piece of it all and i just i think that's a hell of a call out i i agree completely the thing jeremy i i can't believe we went this whole conversation without talking about the hobby heartthrob luca and you just shot up the 650k on the gold prism i cannot believe that right now oh my goodness oh my, i'm like i'm like stop that's where we're at in the hobby right now i am stunned that that's where we're at right now it's crazy 
I mean, what is that? What does that mean for gold prisms, tops, chrome, gold parallels? Out any any of these gold cards out of ten? I mean, that's a that's a monstrous amount of money for a card from two thousand and eighteen. Don't care who the player is; he's never won. He hasn't won a championship, but that price implies that he's won three or four or five. And what happens if he doesn't win three or four or five championships? Like one is good. One championship is good. It gets you into the annals of history. It might not be the word, the way to say that word, but that gets you into the annals of history. Uh, you know, I don't know what this means, man, but it means that anyone who's holding one is partying right now. There's never, ever been more pressure on a, a, a player in a, in any collectors who own those players than it is on Luka Doncic right now, full stop in history. This is, this is crazy. And and I love watching Luka and he's incredible. I think he has the opportunity to win several championships, but there's the, the other side of it too, where there could be an injury and he could never play again, which I, we would all hate to see that. And that would be terrible. And I just think, you always got to make sure you're mitigating risk if you're in that position where you don't have championships and you've got some moments, but you certainly have a whole career ahead of you. And that's just, a, I'm, I'm, man, I'm going to be thinking about this uh, going to bed tonight. I'll tell you that much. Yeah, I think a lot of people are gonna. Yam says the golden auction is a goat rodeo tonight. Uh, name says Jeremy is the goat of hobby YouTube. Brett is the goat of hobby podcast. Thank you, name. I appreciate those compliments. Canner says, I think we're all waiting to see who's going to carry the NBA post LeBron. I mean, it, it's got, it's shaping up to be honest or Luca at this point in time. And Zion, it would be kind of in there as well. As far as I can tell card collector says you don't need a championship in baseball, different sport. Well, yeah, certainly it's obviously a different sport, but I want to know why. Why don't you need a championship in baseball when you do in the other three major sports, even golf? You need you need a major to be really important. Why don't you need one in baseball? Because it's the same country, countries. It's the same fan base for the most part. It's the same hobby base. Why don't you need a championship in baseball to be important? Or is that statement just kind of wrong and you do because... Mike Trout, just like Giannis, just like Luca tonight, they're achieving these huge numbers without championships. Are they going to, we don't know if it's going to sustain. So we may not know if you need one or not in baseball, but I'm curious why. Brett, what do you think? I, I think, you know, and I'll, I will be the first to admit, I, I'm not a baseball collector and I'm not a massive baseball fan, but I, I will say that it, to me, it seems like if you're, if, Anytime baseball gets brought up in just like the modern instance of cards that people want and care about, like a lot of that conversation has been directed at Derek Jeter. And Derek Jeter does have the hardware and he has the mainstream likability. And, you know, he's part of that Yankee lineage. He's part of that big market. So that that's one of the things I, I don't necessarily understand where I know, you know, Trout has got the numbers and he's, you know, unbelievable but doesn't have the success in the playoffs or the championships um that's where i i I think it's a little risky because i don't know it might not be the same but i think championships always matter regardless of the sport i think so as well we're going to come to comment below that that speaks to it but i'm going to go in order here i like this comment by max god i would love to see larry bird with lebron james 
Yeah. Uh, Adam Crawford, really good question here. What do you think will be looked back on as the green PMG of the current era? My money is on prison parallels out of 10 or less. I mean, I think we, we're learning tonight possibly that it's going to be those gold prisms. They're out of 10, just like the green PMG was. Brett, any other? I, th I think that if that, that's a, probably the safest take. I think if you want my under the radar take based on aesthetics and rarity and just I think there's a community of people within the hobby that are are talking about them, but I, I see it. it in my, it's not in the most des desirable set, but it's a card that exists. Is I think the the Galactics and Revolution are they're my favorite card in the hobby, and I think they're a lot of people's favorite card in the hobby. That I can see those cards kind of comparing a little bit with the PMGs. All right, yeah, um, could be right. Time will tell. Cardboard Cam says Durant might be the guy to take over. Could be. Master Damus says now we can all buy shares of Gold Luca, <laughs> implying that it was purchased by Rally or Collectible or one of the other uh, uh, fractional companies. Mm. Uh, Garrett Collinger says baseball is slugging percentage, home runs, gold gloves, all-star appearances, batting average, etc. Mike from Eastridge says something to be said for individual achievements as well. Fair comments. Kickdown says it's personal stats and achievements hidden in a team-oriented game, which I think is true, right? These are still team sports. If you don't win, you lose. <laughs> if you don't win, you lose. Mm -hmm. And winning is much more important. And you ask any player what they'd rather have, the personal accolades or the championship. They all, I mean, except for a few a-holes out there, they all want the championship. So, I mean, I'm with them. I still think I still think championships more important than uh, than personal accolades. What about you, Brett? Yeah, no, I mean, I've I've, I've hit, beaten a uh, hitting a dead horse with this one, but yeah, champion uh, championships are a qualifier for me when I'm spending a lot of money in the hobby. Fair, but you know, Chris uh, Sampson says baseball needs a team, and one player can't make a championship team. That's 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 fair. It's a really fair comment. You can be buried on a crappy team and be the best player in the league. And you're not going to win because you're on that team. You know, I mean, football, you have it. If you got if you got the best quarterback in the world, you can maybe win a championship based on him and, a you know, a decent line and some receivers. Basketball, I think, you, you know, if you have the right guy leading you, you can do it. Hockey, baseball, a lot harder to do it with one excellent player. And of course, then we get into the individual sports like golf and tennis where, well, it's a whole different ball game. Uh, yeah, Curry says an individual player can't take over a game like in basketball, right? Agreed. Makes good sense. Baseball is a real sport of individuality. So yeah, it makes sense. What about Griffey Jr.? No championships. Good. Yeah. Good point. Good point there. Good one. Yeah. Very good one. Good one. Yeah. And yet he, I, I think he's an awesome uh, player, was in his time and worthy of collecting. So yeah, card collector says, does Griffey have champ? No, Ernie Banks, Napoli Nope. Number one guy without a championship, Ted Williams. So there you we're go. Gonna, we're gonna, there's a strong shout out to the baseball collectors out there with the strong response on this. Like I said, I'm not a big baseball collector, but appreciate the the passion on these takes. I think that's important. Educating me on it too. Well, exact. There it is, right there. Educating because this is actually helping me develop my theory on this whole on on this whole idea, right? Because I'm I like to think I'm open minded enough that if I have my theory on anything and it works for me, it'll work for me until someone else opens my mind to something I didn't think of before or present me with some examples. And then I'm, I'm going to be humble enough to say, 
all right, I'm going to throw my theory out the window and I'm going to bring in this new one because I've been enlightened. My mind has been expanded and I wasn't able to do it on my own. I needed someone to help me do that. It's been done and I'm going to open my mind to it. And that pretty much has happened during this episode right now on this topic. So thank you to everybody who who pushed back, really. Tell, Ta, Toa Hung says, I think ultra modern NBA is a good buy right now with prices going down and everyone buying up 80s Jordans, Kobe's and LeBron's. There could be an opportunity there because of that, for sure. Rondell says, baseball is all about the stats. Championships are a bonus. Okay. McDavid has no cups. Yes, true. True, true, true. Hockey guy says, baseball is a team sport. A single player can't win a game. Okay, more of that. Thank you. Hockey guy, we're getting... Okay. We're with you. We're with you. Our hands are up. Our hands are up. I concede. I concede. (laughs) (laughs) What about select cards? I, I... don't, don't really have much to say about select cards. I think they're I think they're finding their way into into importance. Oz Cardhead, why are you considered great if you're not able to win? If he's that good, then in my opinion, he should be winning. Otherwise, there's just empty stats. Well, but based on what we've learned today, you know, you can't one player do, is doesn't win, especially in baseball, when really half the team is kind of sitting in the dugout for half the game anyway. So you're not even in action most of the time. I okay, that can be said for most sports. So Hockey guy says, not like the Angels can give a, the bat to Trout like every like every uh, AB. Like a, sorry, I'm just going to skip it. I don't understand the question. Michael Kovac says, baseball, only sport where the best player on the team can't help his team win unless he's up to bat, ball. His, his. Trout has three to four at-bats and is powerless to help his team if a ball isn't hit into center field. Okay. Nap Lajoie had his team named after him. That's more impressive than a championship for sure. Ken on Instagram just said $30 million auction. That's Ken Golden. Thanks for the update, Kanner. Kickdown says, what's the wrestling set to go after? Is there a Young Guns or Prism rookie-esque card for beginners to go after and start in that world? Or is it more find what you like since it's so niche? Yeah, so I, wrestling's really tough, and it's not like any others. Uh, there, there it, it goes regional. It goes you know domestic. It goes international. There's a lot of different sets. I would say this. I would say if you want to get your feet wet, dig into the 82-83 Wrestling All-Star set. That is the 86 Flair of wrestling cards. Go look and study that set and get educated. I personally, it's the legends before they were legends. That's the premise of those cards. Go look into those cards. That's where I'd start. Good stuff. Good stuff. Fire Sports says, how about Barry Sanders? No Super Bowl. It's a team game. Select is my favorite Panini brand, says Luke F73. Garrett Gollinger says, would Ovechkin not be considered great if he didn't win a cup, even with the goals achieved, if he retired without a cup, would still be considered a great of the game? Yeah, he, he would be still considered a great of the game. But winning that cup in hockey certainly cemented him, as far as hockey collectors go, as more worthy than he would have been without the cup. But anyway, I think we started the fourth, think we started the fourth inning. That's a fair comment, Master Damas. And here, baseball is definitely stat and likability ran. The Angels can't have Trout hitting for every at-bat. Nope. Oscar says, generally the teams are the best player. Players win. That's the case for majority of team sports. Can't see why baseball should be any different. So we definitely have a debate going on here, Brett. And it's an interesting one. And I, I you know, I can see both sides of it. I don't want to, we're not going to put down the hammer on what is right or what is wrong. Because I think there's a lot of subjectivity here. I'll, I'll, I'll touch on the Ovechkin uh, uh, comment is that, as a non-watch hockey 
is my main product and watch hockey every day. I certainly watch that Stanley Cup because I was familiar and aware of Ovechkin. And then the moment of him winning that and getting the cup, to me, in modern hockey memories, that one stands out. And when I, I think about hockey, like that memory of Ovechkin getting the cup is one of the top. And so, like, I think I just think of that cup and I think of Ovechkin. That's important to me as someone who's not – day-to-day in the hockey product uh, like most of the people who are probably watching your show. So I just wanted to call that out. Like if I have one visual of hockey from the last, you know, however many years, it's, it's that memory. Well, so that's important, right? That speaks to how important that, that win, that event was. Uh, we're going to go to Name's comment here. Then we're going to wind this down, Brett. Name says, I brought this up before, but Brian Trottier has six Stanley Cups as a player and is 17th all-time in NHL scoring needs more love in this hobby. Yeah, I mean, that, that that goes counter to what we were saying earlier. The difference with Brian Trotje is he was never the leader of the team. He played, he won cups with Mike Bossy. Well, I mean, he was with Mike Bossy. It was Bossy and Trotje in those days in, in the early 80s with the New York Islanders. And when he won them with Pittsburgh, it was Jagger and Mario Lemieux and Ron Francis and Kevin Stevens and Paul Coffey and all those guys. So, but yeah, I mean, still, it just goes to say you can win six championships and not get hobby love so it's really you got to look at each player individually to determine what they what their hobby love resume needs to have and what and is it good enough to to earn it yeah people aren't going out there and buying robert ori cards i know that and he's got a few championships right right peep says speaking of Fleer hockey the ovechkin rookie yes yes Peep says, bring back Fleer Hockey. I'm with you on that. Just Inventory says, I'll play devil's advocate and say that some players are overrated because of playing on championship teams. I agree with that as well, right? Not every player on a championship team is integral to that team winning, but they're all part of the team still, and they, you can't take away those rings from them unless they give them to Ken Golden to sell in his auction for them, <laughs> which is happening all the time. <laughs> All right, man, listen, I think this has been a ton of fun, but we're not going to stop without getting to Com C. Barry's comment, who jumps in at the end here, our man from Com C. Barry says, I think championships are something that will be less of a determiner in the future if, say, 50 years from now, there are 80 teams. Interesting take, Barry, one that I wouldn't have thought of. But you're right. I think that makes a lot of sense. Makes a lot of sense. Thanks to you, peeps. Bill Russell has 11 rings, so he is better than Jordan. If you say so, fire. If you say so, Oscar Dad says, all good. I was just curious as to why Cho gets so much love in the hobby. Right. Because <laughs> he's a great player. I guess that's why. And you don't need championships to get love in the hobby. But, and, and I think we've shown tonight, you don't need championships to get long-term love in the hobby either. So good night to you, peeps. Listen, Brett, we're going to skip this Sports Cards Live 5 because I do have a after-hour show coming up with uh, Chris, Vegas Find 777. We're going to start that at in about 20 minutes from now. But I do want to do, where did I put it? Where did I put it? Oh, no. Oh, no. I wanted to do my PC card of the day. This is a segment where I show a card from my personal collection that relates to my guest of the night. My guest tonight is none other than Brett McGrath of the Stacking Slabs podcast. And, Brett, we didn't get to most of my notes tonight. The chat (laughs) is really busy. I wanted to hear more about some of your favorite episodes of your podcast, some of the guests that you've had, some of the biggest nuggets of insight that has been gleaned from your podcast. Does anything come? Can you actually spoil us with a couple of those 
insights that you've gleaned from your best episodes before we cut this off? Yeah, so I think it's really important to talk and communicate with people from all different phases and facets of the hobby. That's how I learn different eras. I think about talking with Rob, who is the owner and operator at Burbank Sports Cards, who sells more sports cards in on eBay than anybody else in the world. And just the amount of insights and him being in the game for so long, like I've learned so much. I've learned so much from talking with people like Chris from House of Jordans, who's got a very analytical perspective when it comes to sports cards and how he's looking and researching data. So I think like for me, what attracts me to just the community is just everyone's got different skill sets. Everyone's got different passions and make sure you're talking with people that, that are like you, but then also people that are different from you because the more learning and being a sponge and absorbing information, the better operator you'll be. So that's why I love doing the podcast. I love meeting people. I love getting the perspectives because it makes me a better, it makes me a better operator in the hobby. And it also gives me some strategic insights on maybe where I should uh, be pointing my interest in my own personal collecting. Well said, man. I appreciate that guys. If you're not yet following Brett on Twitter and or Instagram, his handle is on the screen right now on the ticker. His podcast is called stacking slabs. Check it out. It's a great podcast to listen to while you're going for a walk, driving in the car, working out, whatever it is you're doing, give it a listen. He brings on guests. Um, You can tell he's just a good dude, a good vibe, someone that's fun to listen to. I'm now going to bring up my card, PC card of the day, little uh, overlay there for the segment, Brett. As I mentioned to you, PC card of the day is meant to kind of open your eyes a little bit and say, hey, that's a cool card that wanted to relate to my guest. As I told you the other day, I only have one wrestling card in my collection, but it's a doozy. Uh, it's a doozy. I'm going to take it out of the uh, the cellophane here. <clears throat> the cellophane. The, take it out of this thing, the, the, the one-touch holder. I love this card, Brett. It's not a rookie, nothing like that, but it's probably the coolest card. 125 of these made. It's oh. a Hogan PMG employee exclusive. What do you think of that? My first question to you is, uh, did you ever, have you ever considered selling it? (laughs) No, I've never considered selling it. I will tell you, it's not a, it's not a card I've had for a long time. I acquired it late last year. I purchased it from, um, from a very, uh, an awesome Instagrammer at MK sports cards. You're probably familiar with, with Mike and, uh, he, he shows great cards on the daily on Instagram and, uh, he parted with this. It was part of a three-card deal. I picked up a couple others from the set from him. But um, this was uh, just such a neat, just such a neat card of Hulk Hogan. I mean. that's a It's a great card. I know a couple of the other owners of that card out there. And, um, man, that's one of those ones that I've been – I have a I saved uh, eBay auction for that to hope to pop up again. Uh, PMG, Hulk Hogan, employee issued. There's a Mike Tyson from that set as well that's ultra limited and rare but it's stuff like that that i'm super attracted to in the hobby especially with a guy like hulk hogan beautiful card man kudos to you on that one thanks man i appreciate it and uh yeah actually when i bought this card it came with the i purchased the mike tyson as well as the michael phelps (laughs) oh man you you got the three i'd want good well i meant but what i'm missing i didn't get the tiger woods which is the big one from the set right The, the i mean the mike tyson is no slouch and i think this card is probably a bit of a beast in and of its own, in and of itself. So really happy with it. And I mean, 
I followed wrestling in the 80s in the double in the uh the AWA and the WWF. When it changed to WWE, I was out of wrestling by then, uh-huh. out of being a fan past it. But I mean, Hulk Hogan to me is a goat. He is he is wrestling for people like me. Yeah, he's he's the he's the Babe Ruth of wrestling. So I think just my closing comments on this and wrestling cards in general, it's like if you want to get into it and you want to be safe about it, like Hulk Hogan's a really easy and safe place to start. Awesome, man. Thanks for that. All right, we're going to go to the, the final comments that have been rolling in. I did mess up the, the, the draw for the giveaway at the beginning of the episode, guys, so we're going to do that again before we sign off here. Brett, I'll leave it up to you if you want to stick around with me for it. I, I hope you do. It won't take long. I'm just going to run through some of these final comments and then we're going to do that. We're going to do the random again for the giveaway of the Zion Williamson PSA nine prism base given away by Investacard, who uh, uh, was my Edward was my guest on Wednesday. All right. So final comments from, from the, from the chat here, guys, I appreciate all you coming out tonight. This has been a lot of fun, Brett. Great guest tonight, man. You got great insights, a great vibe going. Let's get to them here. Max says no one cares about BGS pop reports. Their website stinks and the prices are in the, Toilet? It's a take. It's a take. Sean Johnson says, has a live deal ever gone down on this show? I don't know about that, but I've I've bought a card while I've been ho- I've been bought a card on eBay while I've been running a show. I had to do that a couple times. Uh Toa Hang says, who's the maker of that card? This is an upper deck PMG. It's an upper deck, it's actually an upper deck employee exclusive. In in and it looks like the original. It's kind of a, it's a it's an homage to the originals. Kick down, beautiful golden locks on that Hogan, no doubt. Reports <laughs> are king, says Max. BGS pop. Oh, yeah, people. That's the one thing about pop reports, guys. You got to be careful. They're not exactly accurate anymore. Thank you, 3M Malone Money Mindset in the house. Check out his uh, YouTube channel as well, guys. We got some great YouTubers in the house tonight. Uh, do we consider wrestling a legit sport? I mean, that's a whole other topic. Whole sports, other topic. Sport, sports entertainment. Sports entertainment, well said, man. I mean, those guys are athletic, no doubt about it. Yam Wax says, great discussion. So fun to be with you guys on this historic night. Thank you, Yam. Great to have you, as always, man. Miss you, buddy. We haven't chatted in a while. We should hook up. We should hook up for a chat. BGSs are BGS are the real deal. Thank you, Brent Criswell, for dropping in. I'm glad you enjoyed. Toa, thanks for coming by tonight, guys. If you're new to the show, if you're first time on Sports Cards Live, I want to thank Brett for bringing more viewers to the channel, to the show. If you haven't yet, please subscribe to Sports Cards Live. I go live every Saturday with guests. We have a great time. We have some special episodes popping up here and there as well. And um, it, it's just been a lot of fun. So check it out. Check out the archives. Hit the subscribe. Hit the thumbs up. All those things. I greatly appreciate it. Brent Criswell, great looking hockey PMGs lately too. I agree. UFC cards are going to the moon. That's happening. Wrestling is a live action stunt show. Hey, I mean. That's a take. That's a take. Those guys are, but they're athletes. No, you cannot take away their athleticism. All right. I have to do this uh, this random draw on behalf of Investacard and on behalf of, of Sports Cards Live. One of the viewers from last Wednesday's episode is going to win this PSA 9 base prism, Zion Williamson. Here we go, guys. These are the, so I'm going to take these off because that was a mistake. These are the 17 people that have a horse in this race. And these are your numbers beside your names. So Jared Cheese Gaming is number one. J-Rod is number two, all the way down to Jordan Hagedorn at number 17. Those are the numbers that matter. I'm now going to bring up the 
random page right here. And the mistake I made last time was I didn't adjust the min and the max. I have to adjust this to 17. I forgot to do that. So that's my apologies. We're going to stick with what Brett said at the beginning of the show. We're going to do five randoms. The person whose number shows up at number five is going to be the winner. We're going to do a backup in case I don't hear from that winner within 48 hours. And I need to hear from you within 48 hours on my socials. Here it is, my Twitter and my Instagram. That's where you reach out to me and let me know. Brett, here we go. You good, you're good with five times again? Five times. Five times. All right, here we go. There's one, two, three, four, and five. Spot number two is J-Rod82182 is our winner. We're going to hit the randomizer one more time so we can get a backup winner in case we need it. One time. Spot number nine. The backup belongs to Joe Perot, my man Joe. You are the backup if we don't hear from J-Rod. Within 24, sorry, 48 hours. So 10.13, I'm in Mountain Standard Time Zone. I'm going to write this down. If I don't hear from J-Rod by 10.13 p.m. on Monday night, the card goes to Joe. And Joe is someone I know how to reach out to. So he will definitely get the card if I don't hear from J-Rod. And with that, I want to thank everybody for joining the show tonight. Thank everybody for joining the chat. Thank you, Nick Sutherland. Great having you. Money Malone Mindset, great to have you. Oscar Dad feels like a breaker channel. I'm okay with that. It's not the end of the world, but it is not a breaker channel. I promise you that. I want to thank you all for tuning in. Brett, man, awesome to hang out with you. Really enjoyed it. Love your vibe. Love your podcast. Love your Instagram page. Guys, go give this guy a follow everywhere you can. Listen to his podcast. You're, you're missing out if you're not already. I appreciate it. Thank you, GMOs. The 100 watching right now. That's It's been a great night. Thank you, Name. Thank you, Kickdown. Appreciate all you guys. We're going to sign off. I'll be back in 15 minutes with Chris. Vegas Fine 777 on After Hours. Brett, final words from you, and then we're out. Thanks for having me, man. I really appreciate all you're doing for the hobby. This uh, bringing me on here on a Saturday night, enjoying the conversation. Keep doing what you're doing, man. This is this is what the hobby needs. Appreciate it, and uh, best of luck moving forward. Thank you, thank you, Brett. Same to you, man. Thanks for joining. Best of luck with your podcast. I love it. Keep it going. You're 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 integral to the hobby content space. Thank you so much, uh, Steve, sir. Great to have you. Thank you, Kelly Winters. Great to have you, everybody. That is it. We are back on the channel in 15 minutes with Vegas Fine 777. We will see you there. Take it easy, everyone. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.